0: Hey, Louis. Let's get started. Absolutely, I feel like we're like bubbling up. With- we are.
1: We just we did an entire pre-show. Yeah, so,
0: yeah you, if you guys came out early, yeah.
1: thank you for staying with us and tip your waiters. Welcome to the mixed reviews. We are a podcast in which we take a film subject, such as an actor, director, and or a mini genre, and we dissect it. We talk about what's good and we talk about what's bad and we talk about what's coming up. Yeah, we mix the reviews. We have some fun. We do. Um,
0: we have a special guest today.
1: We absolutely do. He's here. He's here. He's here with us. He's, I I I think you're the first guest we've had in person. No. 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 Dan Mecca. Dan Mecca. Yeah.
0: Second guest. Yeah.
1: I are. And actually, Dan Mecca invited us to his place, so... I know, wow. So. Yeah, guess you the, can't even host. This, this is a sort of
2: honor, I guess. Yeah. Uh, You're just yeah. being dragged. Yeah. So. Yeah. Please, welcome to the stage, John Hogan. Hi, everyone. I'm actually waving at the microphone right now, even though no one can see me. It's yeah, a habit. It's, yeah, it's, I do it all the time.
0: So. Yeah, this is a very visual podcast. <laughs> exactly it really is. Um, before we get started with all things this episode, we got to talk really quickly about last episode... Uh, last episode we talked about Melissa McCarthy, who we love, who we stand. Um, I need to, John, where do you stand on Melissa McCarthy? Like, what, if you had a quick, like, uh, favorite moment of hers, what would it be?
2: Uh, always loved her, always found her funny. Can you ever forgive me? Kind of like bolstered her to that next yes. level for me for yes. the most part.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Um, oh, correct. You can stay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you passed the test. Yeah.
2: I feel like this is the McLaughlin
0: group. What did I have for breakfast this morning? <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> um, had a lot of good, interesting conversations around Melissa McCarthy. And I think we found ourselves talking a lot about Tammy. <laughs>
1: and we did. But and I thought that that really brought up a, a important conversation that was cathartic for me. I don't know how you felt about no, it. No, it was,
0: it was really cool. And I was talking to my sister a little bit about it. And just, um, there are dumb movies that we see. And it's sometimes interesting to like maybe look past. Uh, the dumbness of them because Tammy is a very dumb movie uh, but the, uh, she's I, coming she, and that is Tammy right now yeah. <laughs> it's Michelle Darnell actually uh, but like the, the, what we talked about is you know uh, and the whole idea of movies where there's annoying characters and like how, and how they expect us to um, empathize with them or they, the redemption whatever yeah um, overall I thought a very fun episode uh, we asked you guys to go on Twitter and to vote for your favorite Muslim the movie uh, The Heat came in at 6% uh, Can CandyWorks, forgive me, came in at twenty three percent. Surprisingly, uh, Bridesmaids came out at twenty six percent, and Spy, both of our picks for five star review, was uh, first place with forty five percent. Is this
1: in fact the first time we've ever lined up with our audience, where we've both because we both True. picked Spy, both,
0: and and the audience also picked yeah. that one? Maybe I think so. Uh, it's a good movie. All things are coming up Spy. Yeah, okay.
2: absolutely. After two years, you're finally aligning with the yeah, audience.
0: Exactly. Right. Yes. Oh, wow. so, we know what you want, <laughs> <laughs> guys. Like us, please. <laughs>
1: Oh, um, that's me in the mirror every morning.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Please, like
1: yourself. Um, but yes, but Melissa McCarthy was an absolutely great uh, subject, and I'm really happy we did yeah. that episode, and I had a ton of fun doing yeah, it. Yeah,
0: so. I'm um, sorry that the kitchen flopped, but oh well. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, you can't have them all. No. Speaking of comic book adaptations, though. Oh, there uh, we go. The
0: lead lead, transition. Transition. lead in, lead in, <laughs> um, Yeah, so this episode, we were talking about 90s superhero movies, except we're not, a, yeah uh, we're not going to be talking about any Marvel or DC uh properties so we'll probably bring up Batman
1: yes I think sure. I think it's impossible to talk about this subject without mentioning but Batman
0: the, they will not, uh, Batman movies and uh what are the things like uh, steel
1: yeah um uh, uh, the Marvel movies hadn't really started you get blade in yeah, 98 blade. 97 98 yeah, yes um and it like it paves the way for x men in 2000 spider-man and that's where right. you get but, we, but they, we're not
0: counting them amongst this discussion. Um, so you will not hear Blade come up as one of our picks. Right. Yes. Um, you will not hear, uh, us talk about like how Batman was like the best 90s. Like, okay, <laughs> wait, like, cool. Cool story, bro. Cool story, Gavin.
1: Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Some oh. motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill. <laughs> oh, we're not talking about Blade? We're not.
0: Famous no. line from Blade? Kudos on that. Yeah. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Why did we choose this? John, I'm gonna let you, uh, Absolutely, yes, here, yeah. You're the one who brought up to us this.
2: Read from your resume.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah. Also. <laughs> uh,
2: so, taking things back to 2015, I had actually mm. met Gavin several years ago when he was on the Midtown Comics podcast. Yes. RIP. I had appeared RIP and D.
0: P.S. Oh, <laughs> I like met um, someone from like an alumni thing, and she, I guess, had stalked me on the internet. Via that, had stalked you. And she was like, I used to listen to Midtown Post- Comic Con. And I was like, Oh my God. What? That's
1: amazing. Thank Discovering you. Discovering new I, fans. Yeah, yeah. I loved that show with yeah. all my heart. It's a good so show. I'm yeah. sad that it doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I, I was very grateful that when I was running a film screening series in the city, Gavin had me on there twice to talk about uh, a special event we did with the comic artist Michael Kupperman, who is cool. a genius, um, as well as the screening of the film Crum, um, hey. the documentary about Robert Crumb. So we got to know each other then, um, you know, I've been listening to the mixed reviews, enjoying what you guys have been doing, uh, and I'm actually starting up a new screening series soon. Uh, the first screening will be September 12th at Nighthawk Prospect Park. It'll oh, be the Crow. Cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow, yeah. Wow, 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 wow. Makes sense. It it. Yeah, yeah. Energy, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You
1: read the emails,
0: Louie. Not really. <laughs> Not really. I was just at the Nighthawk in Prospect Park. It's so beautiful. Um me and Derek cried watching Blinded by the Light.
2: <laughs> That's a hearty endorsement right there. Yes. I was wondering about that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so we're going to have it in 35mm. There's going to be a conversation with Lee family biographer Matthew Polly afterwards. Wow. A lot of good stuff happening. Very cool. You yeah. pitched us on a lot of really good
1: ideas. And actually the other one that I really liked was doing both Bruce Lee and Brandon Lee. It's because there's so few movies between the two. But I, in the end, I was just like, you know, my love is comic books. Uh-huh. And I was like, yeah. I need I need to be able to talk about Dick Tracy at some point. We're coming home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> coming home.
0: Absolutely. Very cool. So what do you, you said that you love The Crow. Obviously, you're doing the screening. Uh, what is it about this, like, little mini genre that you wanted to kind of get out of this, I guess? Like, I'm just like super, because I mean, I was telling Gavin, and we talked a little bit earlier, just like, This was an exercise in um, patience, uh, (laughs) you know, fortitude. uh, There's a lot of um, dredges.
2: You could say a lot of what we're going to talk about will be garbage. We (laughs) admit that. We embrace that. (laughs) But the great thing about that is the little bits of sunshine that shine through are wonderful, I feel like. Um, You know, it was a time before special effects were at a point where they could really support the types of storytelling that happens in comic books so they I had to be a little more creative to talk about
1: special effects
2: <laughs> indeed <laughs> yeah. indeed yeah I mean,
0: it's funny because like we talked about a little bit uh about superhero movies in the future of them maybe yeah. the 50th episode and like we are in super saturation mode right now absolutely and, for sure and because it's so easy now to do special effects on like literally a fucking iphone everyone's doing them um and so watching these movies even though a lot of them are trash, you can see like a lot of work was put into them just to try, like, "Mm, how can we make this look like, you know, something's happening because comic books were so, um, you know, robust and like colorful and like your imagination could like really take you there. And then, so it was a, I think a lot of people like wanted to love these movies when they came out and then watched them and were like, what? Yeah. (laughs) yeah.
2: Sad. A lot of these are placeholders until better movies came out, essentially. Absolutely. In most people's estimation and love of comics and film.
0: Yeah. And it's, kind of wild because I think a lot of the movies that we've been talking about um, just in like the quick little research that I did it still feels like these properties are like lurking out there and are ripe for like well maybe we should make a Phantom sequel like you know did uh, Tracy shall rise again? Like <laughs> that, I feel like that's very uh, uh, close to happening, um, especially as more and more people try and like fight the, the huge Disney machine. It is the
1: huge. You know, it's also impossible to talk about comic book movies without mentioning like Disney owns everything currently.
0: Yeah, yes. you know,
1: like the only mostly the only comic book movies you are getting that are not disney would be dc yeah. which is owned by warner brothers and yeah. another huge conglomerate and then every now and then you get like a hellboy remake that no one wants yeah so
0: a hellboy remake that not only no one wants no one watched right got like the worst reviews it was gone quickly yeah 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 um but okay all very good things um let's get into our rewind
1: absolutely This
0: was very difficult.
1: <laughs> um, well, there's so many avenues. Yeah. And, I, and I sent an email out, and I realized after reading the email, e- right even before hitting send, I was just like, oh, I sound like a crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I was like, here's all the topics we could touch on, yeah, such as yeah. like the boom of comics in the 90s, which was a huge business, the yes. fall of Marvel in the 90s, yep. which went bankrupt towards the end of the decade. And you also get Image Rising. Mm-hmm. You get Dark Horse, which actually started in the late 80s. But what it boils down to is... Batman comes out in 1989. Yeah, it makes 400 million dollars worldwide. Yep. in '89. Yeah, everybody wants their Batman.
0: Yeah, everyone wants that, and everything that comes out after that is compared to that. Yeah, um, and so like Gavin said, the, this really starts at the very end of the '80s. Not only did Batman come out in '89, but RoboCop came out in '87. Yes, um, and which you know, a lot of these movies spawned a billion um, sequels that were like kind of. Uh, uh,
2: diminishing returns. Yes, thank yeah. you. That
0: was the phrase I was looking for. Very diminishing returns. I can't even tell you how many Robocops there are. Uh,
1: uh, there's four, and then there's also a the mini series, um, and then there's a reboot. Right. And now there's a new sequel which wow. is going to skip all of
0: those. What's wild though is uh, so Robocop. Famously, was very um, like gory,
1: super violent, super like, adult.
0: Like yeah, they went very uh, like the effects with like you know the guy coming out of the toxic whatever. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, shooting hands off and limbs off. It was fucking bonkers. Um, and and then Batman comes out and it's like the full fantasy of you know uh, this is Tim Burton's first Batman and you get Danny Elfman who literally will not leave superhero movies no, for the entire no. he's got a paycheck
2: forever yeah, yeah. pretty much I
0: was like wait did he fully scam everyone into being like this is a completely new score <laughs> yeah, that's for, a, for a, your oh, movie so you watch Darkman <laughs> like, <laughs> Darkman Dick Tracy I yeah. was like I was, uh, how many times yeah like, and then people were like yes this is original and new right <laughs> In 1990 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comes out. Yes. Big success.
1: The number one highest grossing independent film of all time until Pulp Fiction comes out. So take that. Yeah. I was wondering what took the crown from it. Yep. There you go. Pulp Fiction yeah. is the one that knocks it off its uh off its seat, but like that's still insane because yeah. nobody nobody wanted it. Warner Brothers didn't have any faith in it. Eventually New Line picked it up for distribution, but it was all financed independently. And that is a that is not a cheap movie. I mean those yeah. Henson suits are crazy they hold up i think too i
2: mean rewatching that everything looked pretty like especially splinter they keep them in shadow enough that you don't really notice the flaws i'm also shocked how much they're able to move in them yeah Yeah. like
1: i was like oh they're kicking above their head i can't do that
0: (laughs) good job (laughs) puppet i think the big key for like these movies was like the tone yes um and also figuring out like is this like can't be fun or are they trying to be like serious and real and like if it's if they're tr- ever trying to, like, walk the line and, like, stumble at all, it's like, this movie's stupid. Like, you know, they don't know what the fuck they're doing. Teenage Mutant Turtles, like, really was able to set it right... I mean, when they're fucking puppets. Right. And, like, their whole thing is, like, eating pizza and, like, their California bros yeah, Well, rows, well like. the other...
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, the other thing that impressed me was the ability to keep them as teenagers. And yeah. that's an important part of their identity, is they are teenagers. And so, there's that... I mean, I was watching it, and I... Being entertained as a child is a very different thing as being entertained yeah. as an adult, but I'm watching the scene where Splinter's like, we got to meditate, and he sits down, and they start dancing to tequila, and yeah. I was just like, you know what? This it's, is charming. Yeah, I was like, but they're kids.
0: I get it. Yeah, yeah. Um, So this is 1990 when that comes out. 1990, we see Dick Tracy, which is a, like, I don't know, a full fever dream of yeah. money and old Hollywood and nostalgia and uh, style. Right. Did not know that it was like a huge Academy Award movie. But yes, it yeah. was. makeup. Yeah. Um. For the and I will say, I have issues with this movie, yeah. but um, it's stylish as fuck. Yeah. And it, it is.
1: It's unfortunately a victim of an HD world though, because it looks when you watch it on a. I don't yeah. know how you either of you watched it, but I I paid for the HD oh, and go. was just like, ooh, this looks. Bad now, and 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 not in
2: like a pleasant way. That's the difficulty with many of these many of these films. Like shots that I didn't even realize had digital effects. Them look Mm. like garbage in HD or higher. Absolutely,
1: and and so it's it's difficult because I've I've always been a big like you know if you're gonna watch Wizard of Oz, please don't watch it in HD because everything looks fake and it kind of removes the magic from it. And like Dick Tracy, it lost. This is my first time rewatching it
0: since a kid. It lost a lot for me. I had never seen it before. Um, and I, I I don't know if I've ever seen a movie that looks like D. Tracy yes or uh, since it is unique yeah, yeah. Yeah, certainly yeah. like they painted all of those like fucking like backdrops on like mat and then like filmed over them or some shit like I was trying to read up about it it looks very complicated yes it looks very complicated and expensive Um but Warren Beatty fully was just like throwing money at this thing yeah like produced it directed it starting in it
1: He's also a genius for money making. I mean, at the time he was dating Madonna and this is not a knock on her because I actually think she's one of the best parts of the movie. Um, he realized he could capitalize yeah. on her on Madonna reaching a younger audience, tailoring the songs to fit her, hiring Steven Sondheim to write her music and. It- it's a gamble that completely pays off. What's, he made a ton of money yeah. by using leveraging his relationship with Madonna. For sure. That's yeah, smart.
0: I mean, like, do you guys remember? I mean, I don't remember the time when this movie came out. But, like, everything I read about it was, like, it was a full cultural force. Yeah. This was so early on in the genre movement that it could be, like, fucking weird. Like, yeah. he was like, yeah, we're going to, like, I'm only going to use seven colors in the movie. The
1: dazzle of Dick Tracy's world begins with the colors, only six of them matching the ink that newspapers use to print their sunday comics
0: every yellow in this picture is the same yellow every red in this picture is the same red what's going to happen is it's going to become something quite beautiful to look at it's going to look silly as fuck like All of those Gonzo characters, Dick Tracy, if you don't know, is from a comic comic strip, a newspaper, um, and he was like this, like uh, gumshoe detective who wore like a yellow slick uh, raincoat, and um, it was, and he had all these like
2: crazy villains who, yeah, are essentially mutants. Like their names describe their mutations. (laughs) Basically, it was like,
0: hey, little face, yeah, (laughs) like literally like a huge. (laughs) Huge, like, head, but the tiniest little face in
2: the center. Right. Is it true that when you, you do a
1: film for Disney that you turn into a cartoon character? The men behind the makeup magic are Doug Drexler. Are you ready for the last one? And John Caglione Jr. Every character is an
2: individual, an individual actor, so we had to create individual looks for that specific person.
1: You know, you could look, you could look at a lot of comic magazines and, and cartoon strips and faces tend to look the same, but right. not on not Dick Doug and John spent four months developing each of Dick Tracy's gangsters before cameras ever rolled.
0: What's wild, though, is like the villain in this movie is a big boy. Yeah. And he's not that big.
1: Yeah. I, I, well, I, I mean, I, I've always thought that that's part of the joke. But the my other, my <laughs> other favorite thing about, uh, you know, Al Pacino playing Big Boy is it fully devolves into a point where I'm like, I don't think Al Pacino's reciting lines anymore. No. I think he's just, just, saying, him. Yeah, yeah. just yeah. saying whatever comes to mind. I remember all of you from when I was nothing. Gloomface, you. you tossed a firebomb in my car one night. Give me a lot of trouble, but I forgive you. Mocha, you put three slugs into me, but I lived. I forgive you, too. I owe everybody at this table a little something. But I forgive all of you. Why? Because I put the past in the past.
0: However, a boss who cannot see the future becomes a liability to everyone concerned.
2: It's like Scarface, but intentionally funny. Yes,
0: exactly.
1: It's really, it's great. Also, real quick, before we move out of Dick Tracy, when you're a kid, I don't think you realize he's bad at his job.
2: Oh, yeah. He's oh, yeah.
1: constantly yeah. being told... Everything he's doing is illegal and not admissible in court.
0: Yeah. They're like, like, whatever, don't care. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I just think
1: it's really hilarious that he's like... This icon for children yeah. of Law and Order, and it's just like, no,
2: he's he's bad. Also. Well, it makes sense for Warren Beatty because he doesn't work well with others. Yes, you know, one of one of my true. favorite things I had read that he had said about this was, "It had never occurred to me to direct the movie, but finally, like most of the movies I direct, when it comes down to it, I just do it because it's easier than going through what I'd have to go through to get somebody else to do it." That's, Collaboration yeah. <laughs> is basically what he's talking <laughs> about.
0: There, yeah, it's too hard. And it was like a, an insane like production. Like even for it to get to him, like there was. I don't know if we're going to talk more about this later, but I think the movie really sucks towards women. Um, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like Madonna's whole character is just like, you're either going to be with me or I'm fucking shit up. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> she, she literally says in the film, most men don't know whether to kiss me or hit me. Yeah. And it's just like,
0: what? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, Chess Trueheart, her whole... Oh, yeah. And She's I love
1: like- I love Glenn Headley And so unfortunate that she passed away this past year.
0: But yeah, all she does is, like, wait around for Dick Tracy to, like, settle down and get a desk job or whatever. And at the very end, when you finally think, like, Dick's gonna come around and be like, You're right. I fucked up. His stupid little fucking watch goes off. And and she's like... (laughs) Fine, you can go away. And he, like, throws her a wedding ring.
1: <laughs> and, and she she looks so happy. Yeah, and he,
0: like, is off to good into more danger with the kid. And she's like, he gave me a ring, and that's all that matters. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? This movie is weird. Like, I, don't, it's,
1: uh, I didn't love it. I must admit, there was a movie I loved as a child and was so dis- I also think... And this is probably a controversial opinion, but I thought it was super boring. Yes, boring.
2: boring, yeah, because well, it gets routine after a while. Cause yeah. it's just their plots to kill him failing well, for that, you know, five the, minutes
1: at a time. And that's the other thing is I, I feel like in a, in the script's attempt to ape comic strips, it feels like oh they're doing a but then you get to the like montage sections, like uh, when yeah, they're yeah, when yeah. she's singing more, and all these plots are happening concurrently, and it's like with well, comic strips can't do this. Yeah, and so now I'm just bored because i'm just watching him do the same thing over and over again but intercut with each other it's
0: weird because like visually it's very beautiful and comically yeah. it's very beautiful yeah but like story-wise it's like what the fuck am i watching <laughs> yeah, yeah. comic movies had to start somewhere yeah, absolutely yes. um so this is the very beginning that you also get dark man though 1990 awesome uh, yeah really great movie uh we get rocketeer 91 rocketeer which the poster is better than the movie
1: that's all I'll say. Right. I, I see. I really like Rocketeer. and you really I like it? Yeah, I do actually really like it. I And it's funny because I just complained about Dick Tracy being boring. I hear people say Rocketeer's boring. I don't find it boring at all. But I get really keyed into that, like, pulp 1940s style of things. We were just talking about beforehand, though. Like, Rocketeer's not really a hero. No. Like, Billy Campbell's character doesn't care about being a superhero he doesn't care like he's the only reason he goes to save his girl at the end is because she's his girl yeah and like his only goal really is to get to nationals you know like, I, that's,
0: in my head I guess I had re- I thought I had remembered this movie about being like this really cool like art deco hero like zipping around yeah fighting bad guys and then you rewatch the movie and it's like huh
2: that's just the poster that's <laughs> just the poster
0: Jenny you okay she's fine I wasn't talking to you. Take the
2: rocket off. Carefully. First you let her go. And I don't even think they set it up at the end for him to fight crime in the future. No, I remember no. no yeah.
1: Genuinely, they basically get rid of the rocket.
2: I do enjoy it. I enjoy like how fun and flippant
1: it, it is at points. But speaking of, you know, it is the second Disney attempt to get into the comic book superhero world. And the, the villain Lothar in it looks like a Dick Tracy reject. Yeah.
0: You know, um, tons of prosthetics. In 91, you get the Guyver, which is... Um, I warned you about this. The beginning of, like, a, a roadmap that we will see um, again and again and again. A lot of these movies, I, at least I thought, um, and please join me, is um, <laughs> like a dude who, you know, it's, things are unfair. Life yeah. has not been kind. And I deserve more. And then a the thing happens. Right. You know, maybe it's a fucking, like, meteorite from um, outer space lands and gives you powers, and all of a sudden, oh, I can be responsible for my own life and make things happen. Right. Even, and it's not the powers that make the man. It is the man himself.
1: Yeah. Right. Um, sometimes it's like... He had the ruby slippers all along. Yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, and, like, the MacGyver is that. It's like this guy who's like, well, I'm taking this taekwondo class, but still getting beat up.
1: I I think the important thing you're leaving out of the Guyver is. It's also ultra gross.
0: It's very gross. Uh, um,
1: it is based on a Japanese manga, mm-hmm. uh, from the time period. And it is essentially this biomechanical yeah. alien device, which attaches it to the main character's spine. Yeah. I and, believe.
0: And it's to fight the zoonoids. Yeah.
1: Who are like mutant aliens who are able to turn other people into mutants. Yeah. Mark Hamill basically has an extended cameo in the movie right. and one of the. Things that scarred me from my childhood, and I only ever saw it on Sci Fi Channel, so I can only imagine what it's like on Cinemax. Is he turns into a giant cockroach? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, it's yeah, yeah. it's like bursts out of his skin. Yeah,
0: uh, like I will say that the the effects are pretty good.
1: There were no shortcuts. Yeah. yeah um, There's the one that looks like a bunny crossed with yeah. a gremlin.
0: Yeah, but <laughs> and, but he's like the he's the black guy. So yeah, he raps. Yeah, so he's exactly. I was like, okay. Um, We get Batman Returns comes in ninety two. Another huge success, right? Um, Dr. Mordred comes out in 92. I did want to talk about Dr. Mordred because
1: I think th- I think there is also uh, a, a big uh, legacy of Hollywood attempting to create superheroes that they didn't have to worry about continuity and worry about being responsible to a specific company or whatnot. And that's one of them. Dr. Mordred was an attempt by Full Moon Pictures to maintain the rights to Doctor Strange. They lost the rights. So he's based on this marble character but instead they went with a very full moon type of vibe where it's very cheap Uh um it is horror related like there's a character who doesn't have eyes but it's also like family fun and friendly because it's a comic book (laughs) so and uh jeffrey combs plays dr mordred and it's fun to just watch him eat all the scenery around for 10 of their centuries we've lived on the other side waiting Waiting for our chance to take our rightful place as gods in a godless world. A sorcerer is not a god. If the people of Earth knew what you really were, they would kill you.
2: And you choose to protect them. They are primitive in many ways, but I took an oath to help them. And that's exactly what I'm going to do.
0: You bring that up, though, the family idea, though, because when Dick Tracy came out, I was reading that they were, like, marketing it so heavily to kids. Oh, yeah. And, like... And it's RoboCop all- had action figures
1: Yeah RoboCop had action from figures From the first film though I've always I, wondered that Oh that's a good question I mean I I don't necessarily rem- Because I was a kid myself I have such specific memories Of all these things When you mentioned Dick Tracy Like being a cultural phenomenon All I can remember is Being on a road trip With my parents to Missouri From New York to Missouri And stopping at McDonald's Trying to win the Dick Tracy game there was the game yeah. I had the
2: wrist communicator Yeah that was basically I- just a walkie-talkie Absolutely the yeah.
1: I remember seeing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles In the theaters We had to wait three days to see it Because uh, Sad story alert Uh, I was in the hospital A lot as a kid uh, Because of a bad Immune system And my dad Promised me When I got out of the hospital We would go see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles I got out on a Thursday We went on Friday The line was around the block Couldn't get in We went on Saturday Same thing happened Sunday We were the last people In line to make it in Wow It was
0: insane I mean they were Selling the shit Out of this stuff Because they were So desperate to to Make the money And you know Do spin-offs I mean I'm sure I skipped over it Like Robocop 2 had already come out by this point, I'm sure. Uh, there's a, like 10,000 different t- Turtles movies that come right. out this time also. The
1: second Turtles movie comes out a year later. That was out the, soon, yeah, The timeline is insane on that.
0: This is not a movie, but I thought it was very important to, to point out. In 1983, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers premieres. Yes. And it's a huge hit for right. um, Saban and it's airing for on sure. Fox. And the, the tone of this show... You see everywhere um, in a lot of the movies that follow it, um, the Gyver has that like vibe of like, we're fighting, but it's very silly, Right, a lot of like gaggy um, tripping and like falling over and like, whoa, whoa, like, you know, the family effect. The, the I guess Studio heads thought the only way for these to make money was to not, to make it for the whole family, but in the sense that it's like... Um, zero nuance zero. where it's just like pratfalls and silly costumes and whatever. Um, also the meteor man. Yes. In 1993.
1: Yes. That's, that's another one that I was talking about where it's the idea that it's completely removed from a studio interference. Essentially it's all Robert Townsend. And I, I get what Robert Townsend is doing. I mean, it is 80% a comedy, Yeah, I would say, yeah. you know, uh, but it's interesting because there are, Pattern elements from Batman, especially in the villains being the Golden Lords. Yeah. It's also interesting because he's attempting to do time period allegory for inner city 90s. Yeah. And I think his heart's in the right place, but I think he never really touches on the systematic problems right. of of that. The only, He gets close because you find out the Golden Lords are run by a white, yeah, uh, yeah. white businessman who's the one who's pumping all the drugs into the inner city. Of course. Played by Frank Gorshin. It's Great Riddler yeah, the from connection, yeah. yeah, absolutely, but it never sticks that
0: landing, and no, yeah. and this movie is really interesting to me because it's so ahead of its time. Like you can tell that this movie is aiming to say something, do something for the black community. Yeah, um, unfortunately, it just like really trips up over itself. I'm like. Well, if you kids were just good. Yes. Just <laughs> and that's be like, good.
1: Exactly. The gangs that he has t- talked into liking each Not other. Not only the
0: gangs, but the Bloods and the, the Crips. <laughs> and in the movie, he's like, guys, stop shooting. Put your weapons down. Put your weapons down. I want to talk to both sides. It's a <laughs> the truth. Stop. Stop firing.
2: Come
1: on, Captain's suicide. We
0: gotta try something different here. Yo man, this is crazy! Oh man, let's roll. Let's hear what he's got to say. And talk.
1: talk. Yeah. And no
0: one told us that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and genius. Exactly. And, like, he gets them. And also, the Blood and the Crips, they're played by um, uh, Naughty by Nature yes. is one gang. And um, I think Bone Thuns in Harmony is the other gang. Yeah, I can't remember who it is, but yeah. Um, it, it's two very prominent. I mean, you talked about this in the um, Regina King episode where it's like, this is, he's taking a lot of um, uh, people within the black community who are not actors, but, like, right. just Big presence. Jennifer Lewis is in this movie for
2: like uh, a hot five seconds, yeah. but I love yeah. when she shows up. Typically for the ones that I've missed, I feel like I'm going to be like, oh, I made the right <laughs> choice not seeing that. This one I actually want to have yeah. seen. And do we know offhand if this movie made any money too? I assume oh, not, it, it didn't
1: make a ton of money, but Meteor Man himself went to go on and appear in a six-issue miniseries in Marvel Comics, where he met both Spider-Man and Night Thrasher. Wow.
0: I didn't realize that. Wow, yeah. So he
1: is a Marvel property, kind of.
0: Canon. (laughs) Now we're getting into, like, the mid-90s, when things take a dark turn. Yeah, exactly. Indeed. Um, People are like, we're done with the pulse. (laughs) Um, Maybe one of my least favorite genres of movies, which is, like, Gothic rock superhero movie. <laughs> so
1: you like yeah. The Crow? <laughs> <laughs> like it's,
0: so the The Crow is like the beginning of it, yeah, I and mean, yeah. it's like the the standard. Um, but like literally every movie after that, whether it's like, oh, are you like into vampires? It's like gothic rock right. and roll metal, like. For once in my life I wish I could see like a vampire movie where they like, love like country music. I don't fucking know. <laughs> but, like do they have to listen to fucking like you, hard metal? You um, need to watch Only Lovers Left Alive. You've watched that? I don't that think you. That applies in that case. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's addressing all of your concerns. Um so The Crow comes out in 94. It's uh, this big indie uh, moment uh really genre pushing. Right. Uh, starring mm-hmm. Brendan Lee, the son of
2: um, Bruce Lee. Yeah. Bruce. And it was oddly one of the only comic films of the time to really embrace both the tone, the look of the comic, like it... A trend that you see in many of these films is that it seems that many of the films are embarrassed to be based on comics. Yes. This one is not.
1: And that's a huge through line, unfortunately, during this time period, too, is you get a lot of... A lot of people talking about, uh, you know, how comic books are for kids, and they want to elevate them to make them into like this higher art form. And you even, weirdly enough, get comic creators talking about this we haven't gotten to spawn yet but i found an interview with todd mcfarlane where he's just like
0: i just finished a pretty lengthy run on spider-man and a bunch of us had quit and started our own company image comics and so at that point we all had to create a book that was going to hopefully sell for us so i want something that's just really cool and it's dark and it's mysterious it's funny at times it has a more intelligent sophisticated sense
1: about it, given that it's still a guy in a costume with superpowers, it's really more sci-fi-ish instead of comic book-ish. It's this weird mental block where they people seem to think comic book movies only exist for children, yeah. and they need to turn them all into Moby Dick. And I think that's really... One of the successful things Marvel has done, where it's just like, hey, guess what? Comic book movies are for kids, but they're also for adults and they're for everyone, and we're just going to make them like that's not a huge defense of Marvel, but no, it's, it's the, also yeah. what's making them work. But it's also the idea that, like,
0: entertainment made for kids and younger people can have meaning and right. are important like just yeah. because it's for kids doesn't mean like there are good lessons that you can like take on for the rest of your life like give me a fucking break it's right. not you know rocket science and it's just like all snooty garbage bullshit and that there's a reason why um you know i think dick tracy and black panther are tied for the most academy awards when they won four each um might be three could be four I don't know. Um, but, and, and don't fact check us. No, don't do that. But there's a reason why, you know, uh, that a, a lot of these movies have, like, aimed for loftier ambitions to, like, you know, make fucking high art um, when really just, like, really boring it up. A lot of successful comic books, which these are based on, have really simple, like, ideas and themes behind them that make them easy to connect to. Um, but then once you start fucking muddying them up with, you know, garbage Hollywood bullshit, like, right. there's a reason why we're, like, Oh, that's fucking boring, Arlene. Because the specificity of the comic book is completely lost. I, I think that leads us
1: right back into the Crow. Because as a yeah. child, the important lesson I learned was: if somebody murders me, I'm gonna come back for them. Yeah, I'm yeah, bird's there them. for me exactly. You We're know doing that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and if I go back and I find some makeup, I'm putting it on. I'm putting it on. <laughs> oh, these leather pants I couldn't wear in real life. Tough luck. I'm dead. Yeah, I, was, I So I had never seen the Crow before.
1: I had seen the Crow three. Yes, you watched it for our Kirsten Dunst episode.
0: <laughs> yeah, i never We're just seen th- it and don't, don't want do it. to. Talk, talk to me about The Crow. Um,
2: so, yeah, no, The Crow is a really genius film. I mean, it's based on a comic by James O'Barr that was uh, released throughout the 80s, um, serialized in Caliber Press originally, and then it went on to Tundra Comics. It went through several publishers over the course of several years. Um, you know, was option in the late 80s, early 90s. And one of the most interesting things about the production that I found that kind of reflects what we're talking about now, a young producer named Jeff Most had found out about the comic um, through a weird means. He was working with a novelist named John Shirley who ended up writing a draft of the script for The Crow. And uh, they were trying to get John Shirley's books made into films. Mm-hmm. And what they were trying to do to make that happen, to get it optioned faster, was they were trying to adapt all of his novels into comics. Because it was easier to sell a comic oh, at that time oh, than it was a novel. <laughs> so like they had sent. Or sneaky. It yeah. really is, and it, I mean, it backfired on them. They had sent a letter to Caliber Press saying, "Like, hey, would you publish this, uh, you know, novel as a comic?" And they said, "Sounds pretty familiar to The Crow." Oof. And Jeff Mo said, "All right, what's The Crow?" And then from there yeah. he got involved. Wow. Yeah.
0: Um. And the Brandon Lee factor. I mean, so famously he died. Uh, with the... there was an accident. Yeah. During yes. like shooting. a blank. On a gun blank, right? There
2: was basically a deactivated bullet that wasn't deactivated properly. It got lodged in the barrel of the gun. A blank was used later and knocked the bullet out. Yeah.
0: Fucking tragic. Yeah, so, absolutely tragic. So
2: several things had to go wrong to make yeah, that happen, and basically. he was
0: so young, um, and I don't know, I, I, I don't know a lot about Brandon Lee in his career, but he certainly, I mean, the movie, so the movie comes out, and it's already really dark material. It's like, unlike yeah. other comic books that you've <laughs> seen before, it's, it, I hate making this comparison, but... Uh kind of like in the Heath Ledger situation with Batman it was like that X-Factor thing like oh right. really dark and moody thing and then like tragedy struck yeah. break, right. and so uh it became a huge hit,
1: right? Yeah, and I, and I don't want to take away. I mean, obviously, that is the that's ninety percent of the. But I think Alex Prayers' direction is is really iconic and weird and strange. And they speaking of colors, unlike Dick Tracy, where they're like we're using seven colors, a lot of it was like we're using two colors. So I think that
2: as a genre, comic books hardly been explored in film yet. I think most of the films that have taken comic book as a start point have really not. Grabbed onto the essence of what comic books are about, and what that market is interested in, what that that audience is interested in. Right from the first meeting I had with Alex, we discussed removing um, greens and blues and really controlling the palette completely. We've censored across the board any any cold colours, any any blues, greens, or anything like that. And really tried to create a monochromatic palette with with red. So in terms of colour, the red is kind of the revenge colour. Whenever we get into the bad guys were trying to introduce elements of red.
1: I don't know. I, I think the, a lot of the way that miniatures are used in that movie, a lot of the POV shots of the crow, and I don't know, it's, it's got a lot of style to it. But I also think it's, it's from a double-edged sword, because it's this weird era where movies themselves are starting to look more and more like music videos, and you're getting a lot of these yes. directors who come from that era.
2: Yeah, but in my mind, that works a little bit better with comics, just because you have static images lined up, you know, that together make meaning. So a montage makes sense, and yeah. the kind of cutting that you see in a music video makes sense then.
1: Absolutely. And and especially for this film. I mean, this film is I mean, I I grew up I didn't know anybody who didn't have the soundtrack to The Crow. Like I think it just I mean, I'm slightly older than you, so it's like the definitely, I mean, I dressed it Creed yeah, no,
2: it was just Creed.
1: Um, you know, but it, you know, it was a lot is like Nirvana and 9-inch Nails and uh, you know, I like I remember dressing as the crow for Halloween when I was like eleven. I mean, that's yeah. Um, awesome. I mean, the, yeah,
2: the, and
0: like <laughs> the, the best characters always have like the easiest to do makeup, the most yeah. iconic things to do. But I remember so I watching the movie, I was like, oh, he's just doing angry makeup, like he's, right, right. He's angry, like he's realizing he's but, dead. But I also
1: like, think his performance is really charming. And I know, I know it's a very silly kind of kind of. But the the line that's always stuck with me is the when he meets the young girl for mm-hmm. the first mm-hmm. time since he's come back to life. Are you supposed to be a clown or something? Sometimes. It's more like surfing than skating. I wish the rain was out
2: just once. It can't rain all the time.
1: Eric? His charm comes through in that scene. I don't know. He like it is really unfortunate yeah. that we lost Brandon Lee so young.
2: And he saw this as a star making vehicle for yeah, himself for too. Sure, yeah. He had starred right before this in Rapid Fire, a Dolph Lundgren film, yeah, oh, which yeah. was just like a mindless action film. Yeah, yeah. He had starred in one other action film before that. He was into TV movies based off um, Kung Fu, uh, the television oh, yes. show. Yes, I did know about that. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, like this was where he could really show who he was, like share his personality. And he saw the comic as a great kind of means for exploring. That was man. great
0: though I mean, like a majority of the movie is him as the crow and so very angry moody but you do get those flashback scenes where like he's having a romantic right. comedy with his girlfriend yeah. and he's you know very handsome man you know muscular dude long hair um, and so you can see he had uh the range yeah like to say yeah, yeah yeah um yeah super interesting movie and I I like the movie um, not as much as I think you guys do but I like it. <laughs> I like it mostly because it it does feel original and undiluted in the like, whereas when, when we get closer to the millennium, there are more and more movies that are just like still hitting this nail on the head yeah. over and over, and it's like, you wouldn't
1: have three crow sequels and a TV show enough, yeah, right? And there's been talk for like the last ten years of doing a remake. I mean, Jason Momo was the most recent uh, attached person, so he I don't. Kind of I also, like also just don't understand why you do a remake. Like the sequels cool. actually have the the idea, which is just like. Just do another person, another yeah. crow. Like yeah.
2: And the difficulty with so much of this too is that the comic was inspired by James O'Barr losing a girlfriend yes. of his at a very young age in mm. a car accident. So this was inspired by a very personal tragedy, and trying to like transplant that to just like different right. situations just yeah. doesn't work, I feel yeah. like.
0: We also get The Mask in nineteen ninety four. Yeah. Which complete is complete opposite. Complete opposite, but also very specific. Yeah. Hollywood does not water it down. Um, we talked about it in our Jim Carrey episode. Uh I think some parts of it don't hold up as well. I some- think a
1: lot of it doesn't hold up. I watch it. I didn't rewatch it for Jim Carrey. I rewatched it for this and I was shocked.
0: Well, so I rewatched it for Jim Carrey and I was like a lot of, there's a lot of like kind of gross me too stuff going on. in Right. Movie. Um, and not,
1: not only that, like I, and it's a PG 13 rated film, but I, I read the mascot books as a kid. My dad bought me the comics when they came out uh, because the movie came out. I was like 12 year old and Those comics are twisted. Like, first of all, Stanley Ipkiss is like the original incel, essentially. Oh, God. Where like he puts on the mask and it's everything that he wants to express in the world. And you get tiny bits of that in this movie. Obviously more played for jokes, but there's that part where like the car beeps at him and he, he like blows them back with, except in the comic book, that would have killed the person violently. Sounds about right. And so it's interesting because he's, only the main character of the first half of the book, too, because mm. he gets oh, killed. Wow. Oh, wow. And then his girlfriend takes the mask, and she, like, kind of becomes the more pure version of it. The... But it's interesting the movie moved more towards this Tex Avery stuff, but there's that condom gag yeah. towards the beginning.
2: Well, my first trick, I'd like to do something for you, son.
1: We have a giraffe. There you go, son. I got out of here, by the
2: way. Thanks. Wow.
0: Now. sorry, sure, wrong pocket.
1: A lot of people die in that movie. I mean, even even the very beginning, the opening shot is the mask being released from its underwater prison. Yeah. And a man dies in the process of that. A metal pipe falls on him and knocks the mask free. And it's like, oh, there's a blood sacrifice in order for the mask to come back into yeah. the world.
0: But because of Jim Carrey's presence, right. there's a lot of iconic, like, silly, you know, when he makes all the cops dance together. Yeah. Like... There are a lot of moments at Cameron Diaz that, as kids, we were like, "This slaps, it's awesome." But as adults, like, it's not even subtext; like actual text. We're like, "Oh, this is right." (laughs) Well,
1: because there's a lot, and there's a lot of talk of the like, "Nice guys finish last," and like, and and it's funny because the message seems to try and impart like, "Well, he speaking of, he didn't need the mask. He had the ruby slippers all along. Yeah, he didn't. You know, it's the same thing." But. But he does need the mask. Yeah.
0: He still uses <laughs> the mask to succeed in the end yeah. and then throws it away. Yeah. So um, in x '84, we also get The Shadow. Yes. Ooh. Um which uh is Alec Baldwin trying to do a thing. I I love the Shadow. Unabashedly. I even rewatched it. Do you, I know. Do
2: you like I, the character, the film? What do you prefer? Like what's lo- the what I like it? the
1: I like the character, but I okay. do like the movie. And I love Russell Mulcahy. I think what's brilliant about him is I genuinely don't think we would have the modern action movie without him, for better or for worse, for what people but what's great about him is a lot of people think modern action movie, macho, tough and everything. And Russell Mulcahy is an out gay man. And it's cool that he like modeled the, the like modern machismo. I think a lot of people who would find that out would be like, what? Oh my God. <laughs> Can't um, process that. Exactly. And I thought he brought a lot of style and substance to The Shadow, which is a movie that doesn't have a ton of substance and it right. pains me to say it. It is a bad villain. Like, that's a lot of people complain about the villain. Schwan Khan's not exactly the most threatening person in the world. I think there's a lot of fun stuff in it. There is. I think Alec Baldwin, pre-calling his daughter a pig, is very charming. And, in uh, general, not I, just this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and, uh, Penelope and Miller, so
0: much fun in yeah. that role. It, I, I think, like, the silhouette of the shadow is very cool. Like, the yeah. idea of the character is really cool. Um, there Tim is, Curry's
1: great in it. Yeah, Tim Curry's very good in it. in there. I, yeah, I yeah.
0: So I saw Tim Cray. I was like, he's a bad guy. Yeah. He is a bad guy.
1: And <laughs> what's great about him is at the end of the movie when he's hanging out with the bad guy and yeah. and the shadow like tries to dehypnotize him with his mind powers. Swan Kahn's basically just like, oh no, he came to yeah, me. He didn't want me. <laughs> <laughs>
2: like,
1: I'm not doing anything
0: to him. This guy's bad. The Shadow is the first movie that I saw on from this list that reminded me a lot of. Dick Tracy in the stylized sense because there's a lot of like the scene where they're fighting on the bridge yeah um, and there's a lot of Alec Baldwin's like um, laughter just Being around (laughs) Like
1: crazy I was watching it With headphones on This time And just being able To hear the different Spots of it coming Into the different Headphones Yeah Yeah. yeah.
0: But like uh, So that scene I was like This is absolutely A set that they made Yes You know like I was like They put like A a curtain On the back of it And there's the city
1: That Uh that entire movie's Backlots And unfortunately It was supposed to have A much grander ending And the earthquake In the 90s That like Was a 6.8 earthquake That happened in LA Destroyed They had a Hall of Mirrors set and it destroyed the entire Holy set. Shit. So they, they, oh, the yes. ending sequence, that, which is like oh less than five minutes, yeah. was supposed to be this grandiose
0: like 15 minute scene. Okay, so the bad guy is like a descendant of Genghis Khan. Yes. Um, I feel like, yeah, you know, and this is no slight to the actor at all, but they cast the most Americanized yes. Asian person they could find. Absolutely. Um, and it... I mean, a lot of these movies—they have uh, like this exoticism, bad guy thing yeah. going
1: on. And there's some real racial problems with the oh, yeah. shadow. Oh, of yeah. course, I mean, yeah. they're baked into the origin, so it's hard to like—it's hard to separate them. But they're they're real bad.
0: I did read up that they they tried to have a big marketing thing. They wanted right. to be a franchise starter. That didn't happen. Um, the movie kind of flopped. I,
1: uh, I mean, there's there's cute things in there. One of my favorite scenes is when he first meets Shuan Khan. And they have, they're having this really intense conversation and Chuang Khan stops in the middle of the conversation to ask him about
0: his tie. I traveled to this country in Genghis Khan's holy crypt to absorb his power in three days. The entire world would hear my roar and willingly fall subject to the lost empire of Shanking. That is a lovely tie, by the way.
2: May I ask where you acquire it? Brooks Brothers. Is that Midtown? 45th and Madison. You are a barbarian. Thank you. We both are.
1: And it's like a reference to the radio shows because invariably that's what would happen. There'd be a really suspenseful scene and then a commercial. (laughs) And so that's what that scene is, is it's a commercial in the middle of this intense argument
0: i i liked it more than most of the things that we watch like this, at, at the very least you get a very good performance from rock baldwin In 95 we get tank girl
2: yes love tank girl i fucking love this tank was girl my too. first time seeing it i'd never seen it before <laughs> what and it, it no, no. blew my fucking mind i never yeah. seen it before either
0: and i watched it for this i think it's one of the first things no, i watched because i worried you're gonna say yeah. something bad um i what's who's the who's the the other girl in it uh, Jet Girl. Naomi Watts. Who
1: says yeah. she's embarrassed by the movie nowadays. Wow. Well, I'm sorry, Princess Diana. That yeah, is not yeah, up to yeah. your She's been
2: in some garbage. Exactly. Like, yeah.
1: I enjoy playing Gretchen Carlson on the TV miniseries <laughs> version of the movie your friend Nicole Kidman's in. Wow.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Shots have been fired. Indeed. Across the bow. Yeah. Um,
0: Tank Girl is uh, iconic for a lot of reasons. Yeah. I think the stylization of the movie is pretty um, unique. Um, I don't know how they got away with making this movie. I don't yeah. know how.
1: Yeah, and they they didn't in a way because the movie you saw or we've all seen is the studio interfered with version mm. because essentially Rachel Talalay. So it's their second movie. She directed Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare because she was involved with the Nightmare on Elm Street series basically from the second movie all the way through. Um, She her daughter gave her tank comics to read in between and she was like I need the rights to this she got the rights she brought it to every studio nobody wanted it Uh, her concept was to try and adapt the comic books she got Martin and um, can't think of their name Jamie Hewlett Jamie Hewlett and and Alan Martin and Alan Martin Martin. thank you written notes helpful helpful. Jamie Hewlett and Alan Martin to like help her with the pre-production process they've since said a lot of negative stuff about the movie because of the studio interference They've not really mentioned her by name, but they also don't talk about Rachel Talley, and that hmm. I think that's interesting. Um, but she crafted a very different idea for the film, um, and basically up until like the middle of the production, got what she wanted, and then the studio started stepping in. I mean, there are things that are not in the main movie, like there is a twelve-inch prosthetic kangaroo penis oh. that's not in the final film. There was an entire ending sequence where the sky opened up and it rained. And the final shot of the movie was Laurie Petty burping into the camera, <laughs> which is why you get this animated sequence for the ending where the movie doesn't really stop. It just turns to an animated movie yeah. and then ends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's I mean, there's all these problems. Rachel Talley really had to fight for. It. She was locked out of the edit room. And basically told that she had limited rights of refusal in terms of what was going to be in the movie.
0: And again, it's like it is weird, specific. It has its own voice. Um, I don't think I liked it as much as you guys did, <laughs> but I, 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 mostly because I guess I was like, I will. I was very impressed with the like the animated stuff, yes. but it definitely felt like filling in holes. Oh, and that's yes. what it's there for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, there also, I is, mean. Subgirl,
1: who you probably have no idea who I'm talking about, she's in a scene of the movie. She's played by Anne Cusack when they like she tells them where to find the the missing girl. Subgirl was throughout the entire film and they removed her from the movie in edit, also originally not supposed to be played by Anne Cusack, offered to Bjork, who eventually turned it down after getting far enough to like get into the contracting phase. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's like Weird Girl Summer. Well, yep. <laughs> At least her music ended up in the film. two of songs. Of two yeah, songs, yeah. yeah.
0: It looks really good. Yeah. Um, there are some genuinely very funny parts. Like when they're trying to like find out what the thing is. And so she's acting like she's Anna Wintour and like, yes.
2: yes. That's yeah. Like, yeah. one of my favorite scenes. Keeps and, calling Jet Girl Jetina. Yeah, I love yeah, that yeah, shit. Yeah. yeah. Oh, fabulous. I have died and gone to hard body heaven. Shaniqua, don't dally. You are giving me realness. Don't to darling, be a good little girl and let's get set up. Over there by the crates. Take off your shirt. What are you doing here? This is a restricted area. I know you're not talking to me like this. Obviously, you didn't get the memo. What memo? Darling, we are doing a men of water and power calendar. Oh, and I think you would be the perfect Supermodel
0: cover. I also forgot Ice T and his like kangaroo dudes. Barely recognizable, too. Like,
2: why cast a recognize a person who should be recognizable otherwise? I love there's one
1: anecdote about him, which was it took four hours to apply the kangaroo makeup that she got Stan Winston involved for half the price of what he normally costs, which I think is amazing. Uh, Took four hours for every actor to put in. Uh, Ice T was the only person never to complain about the makeup process. And when asked why he didn't
2: complain, his response was beats prison. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> <There> we <go. laughs> well, that's your standard right yeah, there. Exactly. Great. I, I want to posit one more thing about Tank Girl 2. Thinking about Stan Winston. Yeah. The Ripper's armor, missing link between Predator and Iron Man. Yeah. Like, I wow. didn't realize until watching this film how many armors Stan Winston has designed. Yeah. And there's definitely overlap between the two in the Ripper's armor. And, and they look really cool. They
0: do. <laughs> they, yeah, yeah. yeah Again,
2: nice. that's an effect that holds up in HD. Yeah.
0: We get the Power Rangers movie in 95, um, which... I was obsessed with as a child. Yeah. Had all the uh, McDonald's toys. Indeed. I, I can still sing the song, okay? Um, uh, Judge Dredd also comes out in 95, um, which, I don't know. Yeah. Stallone doing his best to hang on to a career. Uh, Him and Armand DeSante. The Phantom in 96. Oh, <laughs>
2: I remember as a child, I didn't even like that film. Yeah, Just exactly.
0: being like, this
1: might be garbage. Yeah. Like, I do... One of the weirdest choices of all the things in The Phantom is Catherine Zeta-Jones, one of her first films, yeah. as the villain, as one of the villain's henchmen, and she, like, loves The Phantom yeah. from the first time she meets him. Literally
0: meets him and kisses him right away. Right.
1: And then proceeds to, like, neg, um Christy Swanson, actual monster Christy Swanson, um, <laughs> and... Uh, and, like, nag her every time she's around, just like, oh, well, the Phantom loves her. And it's yeah. like, is she
0: 14? Yeah. Like- <laughs> it is a very fucking weird movie. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about it later. Uh, also, and like, literally, after, like, we peak in 95, and then we're coming, like, we're getting closer to the millennium. Yeah. And it just feels like full toxic wasteland of all these movies. In 96, you get barbed wire. Uh, which is Pamela Anderson's yeah. um, attempt to be uh, a movie actress. It's I don't I don't I don't even know the word. Fun fact about that
1: movie: remake of Casablanca. That's not a joke. Oh, that's right. It's yeah. the same plot as Casablanca. That's wow. right I forgot about that. <clears throat> um, if you want to know more about Barbed I, I may recommend a great "How Did This Get Made?" episode. Okay. It.
0: <laughs> All I will say is, um, don't watch it at work. Yes, like I did. Louis and I both made that mistake, and I'd seen it before. Uh, so, you, I mean. This movie, and I think a lot of the movies like of this time, were just like men being like, "What if we got titans in there?" (laughs) And it's, and I I don't know. They made this movie for pennies. There's a one scene where it's like, "What happened in Seattle?" Blah blah blah, and like there's a flashback, and it's like her. I've seen higher budget RuPaul episodes. Okay, like (laughs) this is insane. It was it was a Drag Race skit, is what
1: (laughs) Pamela Anderson was in. Speaking of Drag Race skit, and I know you're not. I know, I don't think it's on your list. Uh, in 1996 comes the film adaptation of Vampirella. Oh, yes. Um, it's a Roger Corman production, which is, uh, you know, basically like telling you that it's made for $5. Uh-huh. Um, directed by Jim Wynorski. Now, Jim Wazorski has said that he basically is disowned the film. He hates everything about it. I just want to read you some of Jim Wazorski's other movies. Please. Uh, The Bear Wench Project 2, Scared Topless. Bear Wench Project? yeah. Um, the, <laughs> Gargoyle Wings of Darkness, Lust Connection, The Witches of Breastwick, The Witches of Breastwick 2, um, The Devil Wears Nada. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yes. so. It
2: makes sense. So, <laughs> Vampirella
1: is so bad. He, and the he, director of The Devil Wears Nada disowned it. Wow. Um, wow. it stars, uh, Talisa Soto, uh, from Baywatch. Of um, and what's amazing is she's a Baywatch babe, yet somehow, like this is going to sound sexist I don't mean it to can't fill out the costume wow they didn't even tailor it
0: for her Unexpected. I don't
1: understand
0: yeah. loose oh. latex is my least favorite kind of latex my
1: <laughs> other favorite thing is Roger Daltrey plays the villain in it essentially Dracula he has two songs oh I'm sorry songs? I'm sorry it's one song played twice oh
0: okay the uh, <laughs> reprise
1: yeah uh, it's real bad it's all up on YouTube please go watch it
0: <laughs> a hearty recommend yeah. <laughs> Um, in 97, we get what maybe is one of the most successful of these movies. We get Spawn. Yes. Um I remember as a child loving this movie. Me too. Fun fact, I did not know that was John Leguizamo until I watched it again for this episode. Hilarious. Wow. Also, did not realize John Leguizamo gets the title. Like, he is the top billing of this movie, and he's not even Spawn. Yeah. Poor is he Michael- actually?
2: That's crazy. Wow. Or Michael
0: J. White, who is Spawn, yeah. does not get to headline his own movie? Man. What did John Leguizamo do that... The
1: Spent 14 hours in a fucking makeup chair. That's what he <laughs> did. You are in that.
0: Michael J. White <laughs> did the same thing. But, like, yeah. how did John... Like, the, the studio was like, he's going to bring in the money, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Not the main character. The clown. What's his name? It's like... Uh, the, the, clown. the clown. And yeah. the violator. Yeah. Violator, yeah. yeah. John Leguizamo was fully doing Robin Williams yes. as 100%. the genie. Yes. It's it, yeah. It, it, but, like, evil... But sadistic. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's fully that... um
2: yeah, it's fun. How, how great is it to see the giant Image Comics guns in real life, too? Oh, my God. Like, yeah. carrying two of those around, my like, bum. in multiple scenes. Speaking of effects,
1: this is a movie that holds up not an inch. Uh, all the CG stuff looks really terrible. It's funny.
0: The cave is just, like, yeah. somehow, I don't know, like... They were like cut and paste, and they
1: they genuinely believed they were making the next big thing. Yeah, the guy that directed the movie had worked on Jurassic Park, that's why they hired him. You know, and so they were like, "Oh, it's it's going to be Jurassic." I mean, Jurassic Park looks amazing to this day. This movie does not. Here's where digital magic makes fantasy and reality come together using three dimensional computer animation. The filmmakers,
2: along with the effects wizards at Industrial Light and Magic. Gave Spawn a look all it's own. In the case of going from clown to violator, we go through these massive contortions and the characters in pain the whole time.
0: Spawn was the first, I think, black um, superhero movie that we get, right? Yes. yeah. This was before um, Blade. Um,
2: yes, and, before, and, yeah. and,
1: and like the only other one you had prior to that was Meteor Man, right. and that's a comedy. Right, yeah. My other favorite weird behind-the-scenes thing is um, D.B. Sweeney plays Terry Fitzgerald,
2: yeah, yeah, which
1: is a black character in the comic books. So fucking weird. And they whitewashed him because New Line Cinema decided they couldn't sell a movie with that many black leads; that it would only two. be a movie <laughs> for black people. And what I'm saying yeah.
0: is, Spawn is like in makeup and right. suit, like ninety percent. You see Michael J. White for like yeah. ten minutes, and his yeah. wife
1: is barely in the film. Yeah, and yeah. those are the two black leads.
0: Yeah, fun fact. I was so obsessed with this movie I convinced my parents that oh I watched it with my friend like let me rent it from Blockbuster I rented what I thought was the movie what I actually got was the um,
1: cartoon oh fuck yeah which is
0: aggressive intense yeah yeah. there's like a scene with like the clown and like a bunch of like naked ladies and like fucking I remember like putting it on and I was like my parents catch me watching this. Right. <laughs> I'm fucked. Uh, 97, just so we know, Batman and Robin is being released at this point. Yes. I am a famous defender.
1: Love. I think Batman and Rum's a better movie than uh, Batman Forever because, as I've said many times, Batman Forever's a movie in the closet. And Batman and Robin is out and proud. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah,
0: For sure, yeah. Like. Justice for Uma Thurman as <laughs> Ivy. Of course, yeah. Gay icon. And, I mean, we're getting to the end, you know? Like, in 99, we get Mystery Men.
1: Yeah. Which I think is an interesting case because I, rewatching Mystery Men... I will say as much as as much as this topic seemed to pain you a bit, Louis. Um, mercifully, almost all these movies are ninety minutes. Yeah, yes. Um, yes. easy they to get through. Quick, yeah. Mystery Men is not. <laughs> Mystery Men is a full two hours. Why do yes.
0: re- re- I rewatch this for another episode? Why was Superhero
2: it? teams, yes, teams. teams. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: and I, I think I remember I said. I I remember not liking it before when I watched yeah. it, and then rewatching it, I was like, "This is a movie kind of in the same vein of like regular person who needs the thing to become good or you know fulfill himself." And I remember thinking, uh, when I rewatched this, I was like, "Oh, this is like the culmination of all of that. These right. are normal people who want a place to feel connected to something, want to feel part of a team who aren't special." Right. And realizing you don't have to be special to matter. And,
1: and I do think there's a lot of good stuff. I mean, there's definitely a half an hour that can be trimmed out of it. But <laughs> the I, I do think there's a lot of stuff. I also think there's a lot of big swings for jokes that don't work. Yeah. But I do think there's a lot of jokes that work. And also what's interesting is, and I think I mentioned this in the superhero team episode, um, it's very clearly stylized to look like the Joel Schumacher Batman films. Mm-hmm. A lot of it has that neon day glow yeah. sort of look. Um, and... It'd be interesting to see what a mystery man would look like nowadays with what Superhero movies look like now.
0: Well, that was like the millennial look though, like right. the millennium look of neon, uh, leather pleather, it, like, like yeah. I think like, uh, uh lava lamps yeah. and like yeah. bean bags and this, yeah. like, you know, everything was like radioactive and this was the millennium. We were going to die. Yeah. Like, you know, everything was like, and, and, and weirdly enough, it was like also the, the, it was the resurgence of disco filtered through a digital era. Right. Oh, you know? Yeah. So everything was like sparkling and shiny and big and loud, um, but also like just like dunked in like a radioactive tank of, I don't know, no,
1: icy cooler. That's super astute. And uh, resurgence of Jennifer Lewis again, there 90
2: superhero yes. MVP, yeah. playing uh, the shoveler's wife. And she's really great.
0: Um, were there any movies that I missed? I'm sure there are.
2: Men in Black, for me, was the only um, kind of uh, interesting Because For me, that also is the linchpin between the practical effects and the digital effects of later. I think Spawn could have been that, but the digital effects were so shitty that it really didn't ride that out.
1: And and I do like, I do still think a lot of the effects, I think they're also bolstered by, especially a really amazing performance by Vincent
2: D'Onofrio. For sure. (laughs) But but I think the digital effects, for the most part, in Men in Black hold up. The final scene is great. I watched it yesterday. Everything still looks wonderful, you know? You
1: don't get
0: it! I won! It's all over! You milk sucker! You don't matter! In fact
1: in
2: a few you suck, won't even be mad! You're under arrest for violating sections 4153 of the Tyco Treaty.
1: So hand over whatever galaxy you might be carrying and step away from your busted ass vehicle and put
0: your hands on your head. Madam Black One is a true pinnacle of success in this arena. And yeah. that was
1: based off a Malibu comic. It wasn't originally Malibu, and I can't remember the name of the, the comp company before Malibu bought them, but Malibu eventually became Marvel. Yeah. So, I mean, Marvel bought them up. It right. wasn't like... <laughs> Marvel started in the 90s, <laughs> you <Yeah>. guys. <laughs> started as a small little
0: scrappy comic right. called Malibu. But,
1: but it is interesting, and real quick before we move out of our rewind, because we spent a long time in our rewind, but I do want to talk about the fact that, you know... Uh, as I mentioned prior, before talking about the movies, Marvel goes through a really tough time in the 90s because there's this huge boom. And part of it is, you know, everybody's making variant covers. Everybody's doing foil covers because everybody wants their comics to be expensive and they want them to pay off in dividends and it doesn't work out. Marvel also... Shoots themselves in the foot because they buy their own distributor, yeah, Mm. and it causes them to go bankrupt and eventually sell to Diamond, and now Diamond is the only comic book distributor. Yeah, (laughs) which is insane that we're still in that (laughs) what What a (laughs) a monopoly. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Twenty years later, we're still in that position, Um, and really the only thing that saves Marvel because DC is fine because DC's already owned by Warner Brothers. So even though DC's not pumping out you know other superhero movies, they're only pumping out Batman movies. Um, they're trying they tried to do superman lives with yeah. tim burton and yeah but you know the thing that saves marvel was that their asshole the person who owned them at the time ron perelman starts selling off their properties yeah. to make films out of them yeah. you get blade in 1997 and then you get Fox's X-Men in 2000 and Sony's Spider-Man in 2002. Yeah. And that's it.
0: Or and, 2001. And like, that's it. And that's that, what brings them back right. to life. And now we're like, that that leads us to the modern era where we are now. But it's funny, to think, like I was watching The Crow, like, not all I can think of, but I was like, oh my God, this, when they made Daredevil, they tried to make The Crow. Yeah, like, basically. you yeah, know. Yeah. Like the church thing, like falling off the window thing, like, you know, the dark moodiness. A lot of uh, the DNA of uh, Marvel movies now are still imprinted in these like... <laughs> Older uh, movies that were really just experimenting to try. I mean, they're experiments in trying to make money. Yeah. Okay, great. Let us move into our
2: reviews. Since you're our guest, yeah. John, why don't All you right. go
1: first with your one star?
2: I'll jump into it. Uh, you know, been a big fan of The Crow for the longest time. As I said, I have never seen any of the sequels, <laughs> Good for you. any of the spin-offs. You were smart. smart. Save yourself <laughs> until now. Uh, um, I'm so sorry. City of Angels is just shit. Yeah. Like, there's no other way to talk about that. And I think, like earlier, like I was saying, the fact that. The Crow is based off A personal tragedy It had its own tragedy Involved in it With the passing of Brandon Lee um, The fact that they Tried to continue The series after that You yeah. know is is Telling that they Were just stretching A concept that Couldn't go that far You know the uh, Writer and artist Who created the comics James O'Barr Even tried writing A script for a sequel And just yeah. couldn't do it right. Famously gave up on it um, And told director Tim Pope Develop something On your own Make sure it honors Brandon well, Lee's legacy But yeah Well thank god He brought his friend David Goyer in <sighs> But Like <laughs>
0: Did, did the writer ever say like Maybe we shouldn't do this Like well, I just can't imagine Like the whole idea of You know Our star Died tragically And You know what Let's just make some more money Like what the right. fuck is that Like what the fuck It's so disrespectful And gross
1: well, the Weinsteins were behind yeah, this. There. Keep that in mind. And, and the other, the other thing is, as much as I just made fun of David Goyer, or David Goyer's original pitch was like, well, I don't want to do Brandon Lee again. Yeah. So if we're, go- if we're forced to continue it, make Sarah the girl from the first movie, mm, the crow. Yeah.
2: And the Weinsteins were like, no. And I did Aww. not realize in City of Angels that the girl tattoo artist was supposed to be Sarah. Yeah. Sarah. Until I read Wikipedia afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> oh. like, <laughs> it was, yeah. So I mean, it was just, it just seems like they're struggling to make something work that's just not going to work. Yeah. Um. You know, generally, I mean, from what I understood, too, there was a 160-minute work print after the film was finished, and it was cut down to 84 minutes. Yeah. Um. You know, and they had actually, you know, the director Tim Pope and David Goyer had set out to create a new story. Apparently, in the editing room, the one scenes tried to edit it as much as possible to look like the first film. Yeah. So I don't even know if there are the germs of a good film here, yeah, but all yeah. I know is what we have is trash. I'll stop looking <sighs> emo. <laughs>
0: and then work my way up the food chain. Where is he? You know, mm-hmm. he's an old pervert. He hangs out at the people around on deacon Street.
2: Congratulations,
0: monkey! You just passed yourself a fighting chance!
1: Pick a card, monkey. When they were casting, they wanted to make sure that this guy wasn't a martial artist, that he was, like, a brute force fighter versus Brandon Lee. Brandon Lee doesn't there do no a much. ton of martial arts in, really, in the yeah. crowd. No. There's not a lot of, like, kicking people in the face. There's, there's a that, lot of guns. Yeah, <laughs> there's that fight he has towards the
2: beginning with... um uh, the guy that With throws the knives. knives yeah. And I can't think of his name. But, uh, but that's about it. The main thing that gets to me about City of Angels, too, is that it's more of a slasher film than anything. It's just yeah. about a dude quipping and killing people in interesting yeah, ways after it a while. Is,
1: I mean, the, the first one's plenty of violent. Yeah. It, the violence is taken to an extreme in the second one. And I feel like that seems to be the one thread that the sequels pick up on and everything is make it more violent. And I don't, I never watched the first Crow movie to, like, I wasn't getting off on him killing these people. It's satisfaction to an extent because you want this character to get his revenge. Right. And like I said, the sequels just take that. It's the saw effect. Yeah. You know, like, same thing. It's like, how can we turn up the volume? Yeah, what's the more creative way that all these characters can die? Yeah, which is just
0: like, okay, we got it. Great. Like, the substance (laughs) is just, like, less and less and it's more just about the torture porn of it all. So, good pick. Very good pick.
2: Yeah. Thank you.
0: Um, my pick, uh, what a hard choice, you know, <laughs> there's so much to choose from. Uh, my pick is, 1996's The Phantom. <laughs> so The Phantom, uh, is directed by Simon Winsor, who you might know, only made one movie that made money, but oh boy, what a movie, Free Willy. So The Phantom, which, I'm just gonna say, I'm looking at the, the poster right now, it says- Slam Evil. Slam Evil. Does he say that ever in the movie? No. No. I don't think so, yeah. Um... Gotta give him props for the purple. Love love the purple uh, situation, but that's about as much as I like in this movie. Um, Billy Zane stars as um, the Phantom. The whole idea or plot with this movie is um, a young boy gets thrown off a ship um, because like an evil gang of uh, pirates. Yes, but not yeah. just any pirates. Asian pirates. Asian pirates. Um, Asian pirates in Africa. Yeah, yeah Asian pirates <laughs> in Africa. Um, he washes up on Bengala, which is like this vague uh, island right. in Southeast Asia maybe. Um,
1: it's it's basically the reverse of Wakanda. It's yeah, like yeah. like it just never technologically progresses yeah. It's basically just a giant skull
0: right <laughs> And so this happens in the 16th century and this young boy like he gets found by this tribe of people and for whatever reason they're like, you're going to be our, like, super cool king god character. <laughs> they give him a little ring. Yeah. And so for 400 years, the Phantom protects them from things, I guess. And I guess. <laughs> and he, the Phantom gets passed down from father to son. Cut to 1938, and we have Kit Walker, um, which is Billy Zane, and... He with the floppiest of hair. Floppiest <laughs> hair. Also, he has one scene where he's shirtless and I'm like, Oh my God, he worked so hard for this one scene. You want to know how long, like, cause you know, everybody's like,
1: Oh, I spent three months intense training. Want to know how long he worked to get that body? How? One
0: year. I mean, he looks great. <laughs> one good whole year. <laughs> yeah. He looks great, but it's one scene and he looks like he is snatched his waist, yeah. or whatever. And he's like glistening and the hair is like perfect. Yeah. Um, whatever you know uh there's uh who's the bad guy his name's uh Xander Drax with two starts axes. yeah starts with an x ends <laughs> with an x Played by Treat Williams is he played no okay. it's, <laughs> it's just or is it's it just, treat. Treat, williams. It's just <laughs> treat williams um and essentially the whole plot of the movie is there are three skulls out there and if you get them together power right m- d- world domination whatever um thing I didn't know, the Phantom has no powers. No. Oh yeah, just a dude. Just a dude. And a wolf. Yeah. Oh yeah, and a horse,
1: and (laughs) some Colt 45s. Right, yeah. Yeah.
0: And I was like, wait, what, 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 what? The movie also skirts, it's 1938, there's no historical, like, context of, like, Nazis or, like, colonialism. It's just like, fuck, I don't understand. Anyway. Um,
1: hot white girl comes... Chrissy Swanson, original Buffy Vampire Slayer, conservative monster.
0: Yes. (laughs) Um, and... She's like, Oh, Kit, where you been, girl? Like, and he's like, I had to go after college to do things with my family. <laughs> and, Oh my God, my favorite thing is, so he comes to New York because, uh, bad things are happening and he can't pay his cab driver because he only has, I don't know, fucking rubies. <laughs> yeah, no, but no. jewels. Yeah. He does, he doesn't have money, but so he's like, Oh, I'll give you this. And there's, like, a close shot of him giving him the rubies and jewels. And I'm like, why are you showing us plastic stuff? Right, right, exactly. It's, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, oh, you stopped my Claire's before. <laughs> I was like, they're not even convincing, like, doubloons or whatever. Yeah. It, it, they are little pebbles. No, we didn't have to see those. Yeah, <laughs> no, exactly. It's weird, because in my brain, I thought I liked this movie. I thought the... Fa- okay, here, I, uh, there are only um, the phantoms that I prefer. Danny Phantom. Um... <laughs> The Phantom Regiment, which is a marching band. Um, at the Phantom can like suck a dick. It's so bad. I have the ring in the other room. Oh, I genuinely Close do. The Close <laughs> the, we, before I forget, um, so behind the scenes drama, uh, Joe Dante was originally attached to direct. Um, it he developed better, and he developed a script with Jeffrey Boehm. Um They originally had written like a tongue in cheek, uh, you know, kind of spoofy situation. Uh, the studio said, nah, bro. And so according to Dante, here's a quote. I developed a script, um, as a kind of spoof. We were a few weeks away from shooting in Australia when the plug was pulled over the budget. Um, and this is fucking weird. The presence of a winged demon at the climax. Studio didn't want that. Uh, a year or so later, it was put into production sans demon. Only nobody seemed to notice it was written to be funny. So it was disastrously played straight. Um, many unintentionally funny moments were cut after our raucous test screening, and I foolishly refused money to take my name off the picture, so I'm credited as one of a zillion producers. Which is fucking psycho. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I paid attention enough or should go back and rewatch, like, is this a funny movie that they just didn't know? I just
1: watched it recently. It's not. What is this, a ship full of women? All my pilots are women. Interesting. Excuse me.
2: Who are you? The
1: good to Samaritan.
0: I bet you're better than good.
1: There's an old jungle saying: never point a gun at someone because
0: it
2: just might go off. Ooh, lost hands.
0: There are a lot of movies that we watched have like some weird racial things going on, or just like straight up racist shit. This movie has that. Yeah, there are movies that we watched that have bad stories, um, but at least look good. This movie doesn't look good. Is racist and like the story sucks. I'm like it's like the trifecta of everything the bad is about superhero movies in
1: the '90s. I, I really don't have much more to say about this than what I already said, but I I have to pick 1996 as Vampirella just because it's not it's not a movie. <laughs> it's 100% not a movie, and that's one of the things that I think is interesting. You know, when I was watching Doctor Mordred, at least I was like, well, this is a bad movie. It knows it's a bad movie, but it's shot on film, so it at least looks like a movie. Mm-hmm. Vampirella... Looks like it was shot on video cameras. Like that, it's insane. Um, I just can't believe that. The, I mean, this is a property. This is a thing that I mean, people would still would make a movie out of today. Like she's a popular comic book character. I Admittedly, mean, she's mostly a TNA com- comic yeah, character, yeah. but it's something that could exist. Um, Vamparella is a vampire from a, a planet. Uh, called Draculon. Draculon. Uh, yeah, yeah. of a species of vampires. Uh, her stepfather is murdered by Vlad, who escapes to Earth with his uh comrades, and she chases after them. Unfortunately, she goes into, like, a 300-year hypersleep, and by the time she gets to Earth... Time has passed, and Vlad has been on Earth spreading his vampire babies everywhere. Oh, hey, um, hey yeah. what happens? <laughs> so she goes to Vegas, oh. where he is to take him down because he's become a rock star in a very vampireless stat sort of way, um, which oh, is only right. because he's played by Roger Daltrey. Tulsi Soto, as as I said, Soto is, you know, it's Vampirella with a Puerto Rican
0: accent, you mm-hmm. know, because okay. that hot makes girl, sense for hot Dracula. Girl, hot girls. Now, tell me when you find this guy, Professor Tracks what are you going to do to him?
2: Kill him, of course. <laughs> of
0: course. Look,
2: do me a favor and the cops catch up with you. Leave my name out of this.
0: Thank you. Thank you. You've been extremely helpful, Eggerman. And I truly appreciate it. Right. Good luck. Oh, I almost forgot something.
2: I've never read a Vampirella comic in my life. Despite reading (laughs) comics for decades, I've always been embarrassed to actually pick one up and read it. Have you read one?
1: Uh, I only read the – and I don't even think it's the current – because I think it reboots like every couple of years. Kate Leff did a very short run, um, I want to say like two or three years ago, where Vampirella was a 1940s Scream Queen. Um, So there's really
2: no continuity. Yeah, I don't think there is. I think that's
1: the – for the most part, I think this story is like the specific – original story about the planet draculon that has rivers of blood that you can drink from and uh wow <laughs> yeah and uh and uh, a tourist destination exactly yeah. uh but yeah this it's it's really a garbage film but once again it, even being my one star review please go watch it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Please watch five minutes of High it it's, yeah. it's, it's, on it's on youtube it's yeah it's for free. We love cheap uh, thrills. We do. We 100% do. But uh, was there anything else you saw that you particularly didn't like? Any other like middling to one-star I think figures? there are a lot of
0: problematic and yeah. not good movies in here, but at the bottom of the barrel for me, Barbed Wire buy is yeah. real bad. Um, someone get her a fucking wig that like looks nice. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it, literally like nobody could brush her hair. Like, <laughs> her tits look like a million bucks, but her hair looks like I don't just like a full nest and the driest. I, yeah, I, I like I am gay. I don't, but like I she's supposed to. But, but you watch what
1: eleven seasons of Drag Race and, <laughs> and like four seasons of All Stars. But
0: it's like I know what, Like a beautiful, like a sultry, like it, like. There is nothing about her in this movie. And, and it sucks because I I can feel them like trying to really sell like you don't want to mess with Barb blah 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 and I'm like the whole time I'm like, This is a woman that will do nothing <laughs> to me. Like Yeah, yeah. It's she's just so unbelievable and um, there's a reason why, you know, like she never had another movie after that.
2: Once again, we're going to put
1: you on the hot seat as the guest. What is your? All right. Five once
2: three? again, I'm really going to surprise you guys. My five stars, The Crow. Whoa! <laughs> I am <laughs> shocked. <laughs> Get out. Yeah. Two quick reasons for that. Like you know, first of all, I have the nostalgia for it. You know, from watching it as a kid, it was the first DVD I owned, so oh, I got wow. a lot of wow. views as a kid. Wow. Um, but My really, like, intentions, it also got a lot of use. Wing. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> uh,
0: Not enough butts in the coat for me. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, yeah, no, very dedicated to the film itself. Uh, I mean, sorry, the film itself is very dedicated to the comics, I would say. Yes. Um, you know, the kind of visual shorthands it uses were like the flashbacks are kind of that blurry, gauzy vision yeah. of it. You know, in the comics, it was a kind of a watercolor wash. So, like, they managed to, pay tribute to the visuals from the comics in that way, especially with the color palette selection. It was a black and white comic originally, so just yeah. throwing in little dashes of color um, really stays loyal to it that way. But, you know, at the same time, too, the dedication of everybody behind the camera was great. Behind and in front of the camera at the same time, too. You know, it was a lot of people younger than 40, many on their first production, many people coming from, like Alex Proyas, um, had done a feature beforehand yeah. um, that was not well seen, is not readily available at this point. But, I mean, he came from a commercial background, a music video background. So a lot of people kind of, you know, flexing their muscles for the first time on a feature film. Um, we're very passionate about it. And like I'd said, you know, for Brandon Lee, this was going to be the star making turn for him. Yeah. Um So he was always demanding more takes than they needed to do. Um He would retouch his makeup. He had things going like that. I've never actually noticed in the film. Like apparently in his hair and the extensions attached to his hair are several bullet casings. Really? Uh, I've never once noticed yeah. that. So, like, fine details like that he was very oriented on, and I think that kind of pays off in the finished product. There's so many scenes I really like in that movie. Rewatching it was actually kind of a
1: treat, I'll be honest. Um, the, the scene where he kills the The guy um, in the bathtub by shooting him up. Yeah. Uh, the scene prior to that where he's just having fun, where he shoots him through the hand, and he makes the joke about yeah. Jesus. You know, hands of three nails because you put me up for the night. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like I don't know. There's such a playful quality, and then he turns on a dime when he confronts Sarah's mom, and he's just like, I was going to say, my favorite part of the movie is
0: like that relationship between him and the kid and the mom, and being mm, yeah. like, your daughter is waiting for you. Look.
2: Mother is the name for God on the lips and hearts of all children. Do you understand? Morphine is bad for you. Your daughter is out there on the streets waiting for you.
0: Being able to see, like, the uh, the mom transforms herself or tries to, like, you know... And,
1: and it feels real. That, that's the other thing. The movie gives itself time to make it feel real. There's that moment she makes her breakfast mm-hmm. and Sarah... You know, you don't come back from that if your yeah. parent has been neglectful right away. So Sarah initially pushes her out, and the mom immediately is like, you know what, fine, fine. And I love the way it's played because it feels realistic in a movie that's not really going for yeah.
2: realism. Yeah. yeah, and Alex Proyas had a reputation for being kind of like cold, technical, coming yeah. from, you know, music video and commercial background. But he really let his actors kind of feel their way through things, like, you know, and bring the emotions out um and the feelings out, you know, in a very effective way, I thought.
1: I gotta say the one that I that shocked me how much it held up was nineteen nineties Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, cool! Um, no. I was really surprised. First of all, it's a it's a stuffed movie. Um, it's bare. It's like an hour, thirty hour forty, but there's not a moment wasted. There's so many characters in the movie, you have to. Um, Introduce all four turtles, all four different personalities, Splinter. You have to be able to buy this world in which there are five-foot turtles, yeah. a four-foot rat that talk, that can do, you know, ninjutsu. And then on top of that, you have the human characters who I think are very lovely played by, you know, April O'Neil, who is played by Judith Hogue, who imbues a real gravity to like, she's a very real woman. And I think it also says something that they didn't go out of their way to cast like a Megan Fox. Like they did in the, like they, they cast a a person, like a well-rounded person who's like not a sex symbol. She's fun. She's quirky. She's got some great one-liners. And then Elias Codius as Casey Jones, who's such a fucking asshole. (laughs) And I, I could not believe like how much of an asshole he is. In this rewatch, I was like, wow, he must have seemed so cool when I was a kid. um,
0: I love guys who nag. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's
1: essentially, and I will admit, when they kiss, when him and April kiss at the end, I was like, that, did she, no. No,
0: Uh, I was like, yeah, I was like, she would be like,
1: get away from me. Uh, But, uh, but I, I don't know, I think I think it's so well plotted, I think it's emotional. I found myself getting misty when Splinter was talking about fathers. Yeah. For sure. I was yeah. which is I was like I'm watching a puppet
2: a, a rat <laughs> a, 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 a realistic rat yeah. puppet. Some say that the path from inner turmoil begins with a friendly ear. My ear is open if you care to use it. No, I don't think so. What is your name? Danny. And have you no one to go to, Danny? No parent? My dad could care less about me. I doubt that is true. Why? All fathers care for their sons.
1: On top of introducing all these characters, you're introduced to side characters who you're expected to care about, like April's boss's son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who, but he gets a lot of screen time and he gets an emotional arc. And I think it's really interesting that a lot of these arcs are carried throughout the movie. On top of that, the effects still hold up, yep. like the the suits, one hundred percent. I know there's that image online that every put everybody has of that one moment that they left in the because the actors would have to see out of the mouths of the turtles, mm. and there's one moment where they left like you could see someone's eyes in the mouth, like whatever, <laughs> one moment, please. But <laughs> it like, was 1990. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And the suits are really expensive. They're really hot. They were all mechanic, like to move them. It's, I think it took like two different puppeteers to move the mouth wow. because all mechanics. And then on top of that, the other gutsiest thing is you don't see Shredder fully. Like you don't see what he fully looks like until 15 minutes before the end of the movie. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. Like okay. to hold your villain fully back. Uh-huh. They don't do that in movies anymore. Yeah, um, you know, you, like even, I, I think my main example would be even Iron Man 3, which goes out of its way to hide its villain, introduces him in the first scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. like, this movie is is absolutely like, yeah, you're not going to see him until you see him. It's funny thinking about, so
0: they have rebooted these movies. Yeah. Were made remakes Multiple times. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Like you mentioned, the Megan Fox uh, versions with Michael Bay, right? Yeah. Bay, it's like well, this... he produced them. Yeah, right, yeah they're CGI but they also they're grittier turtles yeah. right like
1: and they have those weird noses I do not like them
0: have, like <laughs> like all of their like bands are like falling apart yeah. you know like i think been do things
1: <laughs> i watched those movies for when we did superhero teams and i will say the second one is like if you if you put a gun to my head a better movie than okay. the first movie <laughs> okay, okay. but like but not not any but not anywhere near the caliber of these films and it's after- funny
0: like when you watch the first when you, when you watch these um turtle movies like, right. the original ones there's, like, a magic. It feels like you're watching something, like, really special because yeah. the puppetry was so um, intense. Um, and now watching CGI turtles, it just... Everything is CGI. Like, right. there's nothing special there. I mean, it is a lot of work. I'm not dissing, like, the work that people are doing. But there's something about uh, physical, actual, like, effects that is that is a lot harder to do, I think, right. and doing it well. Good choice, though. Yeah. Um, my pick is 1990s Darkman.
1: Yeah, love it. Yeah, uh, that is a cartoon that's actually a movie. Yeah,
0: <laughs> um, Dark Man, directed and co written by Sam Raimi. Yes, famous for making emo Spider Man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's it though. That's, that's it. A, yeah, only yeah. ever worked prior or after. Nope, nope. <laughs> um, yeah, again, it's funny that we're both you and me, Gavin, chose early, early things. Yeah, these are this is early 90s before. I don't know, toxic masculinity reigned. I don't know. <laughs> um
1: But even if even even if you're going to talk about the crow, like the crow is very much not about a toxic ma- I mean like he's literally doing well, it because it's like the, jo- it's, again, like, it's
0: like it is everything that the genre was and like taking a complete turn away from. Right. Yes. Um okay, Dark Man. So Sam Raimi had been wanting to do a Batman. He tried to get the shadow right. He yeah. couldn't find a. he wanted to do a superhero movie, he couldn't find one. So made his own.
1: Yeah, uh, they were like, "Oh, you directed that Evil Dead movies. Why don't you just speak to my assistant?" Yeah, <laughs>
0: we'll get back to you. So he he struck a deal with Universal, um, and um, they so Liam Neeson stars as the titular Dark Man. Yes, cool name, but in a practical way, like it doesn't make sense. Like his yeah. powers are essentially he is trying to build like fake skin. He's like right. a scientist trying to build fake skin. Um, to help burn victims, yes. which is ironic. There you go. Um, the building gets blown up by evilness gangsters, yeah, whatever. Um, but Durant, truly, he doesn't die though. The, the the machinery, but whatever, whatever. He lo- he gets severely burned and like disfigured and. Um, but he's able to hobble his way back to the building. I I mean, also, just to give him... Like,
1: he does actually have one superpower, which is in the hospital. They give an experimental procedure oh, that cuts that him off right. from pain. That which also increases his strength yeah. and his, like, ability to move Fast because he does, he, your body's not encumbered by the fact right, that right. it would hurt. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. forgot
0: that. He's like strapped into the, the thing. Yeah,
1: yeah. And like, v- do you know who was supposed to play the nurse in that scene and then got replaced at the last minute? No. Kathy Bates. What? Yeah. yeah. would have been great.
2: Yeah. Yeah, would have been great. Uh, Just for one scene. Has she been in a superhero film with this point? I don't think so. Yeah. Um, oh, she she, she, she's, in, she's in Dick Tracy, I think. <laughs> she's she's <laughs> oh, a photographer. Yes! She's a yeah. photographer, yes. Yeah. Come on, yeah. Wow. So read, awesome. read back his
0: statement. Incredible. Wow. Um, so, yes, he gets a procedure done on him and he can't feel pain and he's strong now. His uh, wifey played by uh, Frances McDormand. Frances McDormand, yeah. um, iconic American actress. Yeah, who's amazing in the film, but
1: apparently was a complete menace to Sam Raimi, which is really funny because he's still friends with her to this day because she's married to Ethan Cohen. But when asked at the time about working with her, his response was, I thought I knew Fran. Apparently didn't. <laughs> no, but.
2: I think
0: it was like, she is. Kind of a loca woman. Yeah. She is like a really weird, um, artist of the earth, I would say. And so I absolutely would see her being like, Sam, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Because the movie is kind of cuckoo Yeah. Um, what I like about it it is like, it is a full cartoon. It is, yeah. uh, Unlike a lot of movies of this genre, it's very, um, there's a lot of light in it. There's a lot of daytime action (laughs) happening. Um, Sam Raimi said he got inspired by Phantom of the Opera, Elephant Man, because... And the Universal Horror movies,
1: which we've talked about Mm. before, so,
0: like... A lot of this movie is so, essentially, he, uh... He's able to figure out his skin thing, you know, and, um... But
1: it only works for 90 minutes at a time.
0: 90 minutes at a time, and,
1: uh... What's the whole thing about being in the dark? So, if he stays in the dark, the skin cells don't break down. Right, right. But if he's out in the sunlight, it's 90 minutes. Right. And so, what he
0: does is he starts using his, like, uh, science machinery to change his face into different people um, because he's trying to figure out, like, who the fuck wanted to kill him. There's, like, a very classic but very good version of the, like, no, shoot him! I'm the real one! Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, and, and like, he's doing it while he's, like, kind of melting. Um, but so, he... Everyone thinks he's dead though um, He goes back to Francis And she's like no you're dead And he's like no it's me uh, It's very like dramatic It's like yeah. kind of hunchback in, And and the accident has left him scarred too yeah. Like
1: he's a nutcase yeah, essentially
2: yeah. The trauma like is very Ken Russell freak out yes, Which I, I completely forgot about that. The, the carnival scene is one of my yeah. favorites Yeah,
0: When he's there he's at the carnival With Francis Norman and they're having a great time But then he's like oh no uh. Oh god Oh Jesus
2: God! Oh, it on it!
0: I'm a scientist!
2: That's it! Think objectively! Analyze! Analyze! Wait! Wait! That's it! Control the rate Just... Take it easy, Ben! Just...
0: Take it easy, boy! I'm a scientist! I love the scene at the end with like the villain, which of course the villain is the guy that like you know it's it's very clear. Like the movie isn't like yeah. terribly like surprise shock, but it's just like it's very pulpy fun. Um, at the end when they're on, and the whole literally the the villain is like. Gentrification. I love buildings. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I want to build things. And that is literally like he has this speech about like when I was a kid, I used to play on these steel girders. And it's like, what are you talking about, you weirdo? And like,
0: but that's like the explanation for like why he's so good at just like running around on them. Are you feeling scared up here during this fight? Not me. But I love that scene. They're like, you know, it it was. It's a fun movie. It's super visually interesting. Um, Liam Mason's very good. Yeah. So is Friend. It's like. very good actors. They all knew what they were doing. It feels like they this movie was able to walk that line of kind of campy, but like, and not trying to make it like too like gritty, realistic, whatever. Uh, it's it. This movie knows what it is. It's such an
1: interesting visually interesting movie.
0: And what I look is like it's a very iconic like look. The the bandages, like you know, and but. Unlike, say, Spawn, you get to see Liam Neeson quite a bit in the movie. Um, Even when he's, you know, has all the things, they are able to figure out a way to, like, show your hero. But also, uh, and which I, Darkman and The Shadow, to me, feel very similar. Yeah. um, Just because I think Alec Baldwin and Liam Neeson are both very charming in the role. And the, the, the hero has a lot to do with, like... Light, or I don't know, not being seen.
1: That's and cool. it's yeah. just so funny too that Liam Neeson's such an action movie star nowadays. Yeah. This was the
2: first. Yeah. And then never again for like yeah. two yeah. decades for and two then suddenly. Yeah. And
0: now taken 17. Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. Yeah. I'm on a snowmobile. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't
0: that one that came out this year? Yeah. But anyway. Sure.
1: Um, but yeah, no, Dark Man's a really good pick. I, I have such a soft spot for Dark Man. I've never seen
0: it, so I'm glad that I was able to. Uh, I, it truly feels like at the beginning of the decade, I mean, certainly like, Probably up until The Crow, because after The Crow, it just felt like everything else was just, this- yeah.
2: the formula was in place. is the problem. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. But I
1: think part of it is, too, is a lot of these are lower budget movies. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Crow, and uh, Dark Man are all, you know, mo- people playing with what they have. Yeah. You know, you have things like The Mask, even to an extent, Mystery Men are large studio films. Yeah. They have so much money that, you know, the world is their oyster.
0: Yeah.
2: The Crow uh, cost $15 million, yeah, so that's right. before money was put into it after Brandon Lee died to, like, right. you know, revive it, shoot extra scenes, things like that. Um, the entire budget for Spawn was $45 million. Mm-hmm. The special effects budget was $15 million. so it cost just as much as The Crow. That's insane. For special effects. Um, Totally makes sense.
0: Dark Man was made on $16 million. Yeah. And, wow. and he only got that much because they started working with Universal after they got a green lid. So before, he only had, like, $8 million. Yeah. Um, and... And that's what's fucking wild. Like, you don't need the whole, you know, big budget for special effects and stuff. It's like truly storytelling about people and um, the extraordinary things that happen around them and like, the events of these things. It's not like Sponge, like you know, and and everything is like the nerve gas that's gonna kill the world, right? <laughs> it's, if you're gonna do that, go all the way for like the full camp effect. If not, you're just fucking wasting my time. Yeah. yeah.
1: Before we move into our fast forward, let's do our mixed reviews review.
0: My one-star review was 1986, The Phantom.
2: My five-star review was 1990's Darkman. Uh, my one-star review was 1996's The Crow City of Angels, and my five-star review was 1994's The Crow.
0: And
1: my one star review was 1996's Vampirella, and my five star review was 1990's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. A lot of 1996
0: gone there. Yeah. For good good or bad. Did we all choose
2: 96 movies as our one star review? 96 was your shit year. Yeah. Oh my
0: God, 96 would
1: happen. (laughs) (laughs) So now we're moving into our fast forward. You know, I think we kind of know where comics are, are moving into. And like I said, there's not a lot of competition outside DC or Marvel because you get things like the Hellboy remake that don't hit at all. So why don't we take the opportunity
2: to let you talk about culture canon? Yeah, yeah. So Culture Canon is the brand new culture repertory program. I started up recently. Uh, there is a focus on film, given my background in writing about film and hosting film screenings. Uh, but we hope to expand beyond to live music events, literature events, you know, readings, things along those lines. Ugh,
1: reading? What's that? <laughs>
2: <laughs> People are not big fans of books. Yeah, I'm going yeah, exactly. to help with that a little. bit. Uh, yeah.
0: Could you turn it into a TV show? <laughs> no, I, I love books. Do you guys think that there is a world where, you know, because like Image is arguably as successful as it has ever been yeah. currently right um, do you ever think there's a world where like we're gonna see like I don't know Morning Glories TV show series or you know any of these books that are pretty popular um, like is someone gonna finally come out and say like okay we need to do something to put up against uh, you know I mean, we saw like Sin City came out like yeah. whenever like Stuff in that genre, that realm.
2: TV's going to do it for the most part. I mean, we've got Umbrella Academy television show, The Boys Just Dropped, you know, all kinds of adaptations of comics that really are more fitting for, you know, the serialized uh, structure.
1: True. And that's the other thing, as I was going to say, is, you know, especially talking about image, most of the things that image traffic's in nowadays are not. Superheroes, right? I mean, you True. you do every now and then. Obviously, Black Hammer was just picked up, and like, is it's trying to launch its own connected universe. I always think it's weird when people try and start at the connected universe. I think that's a bad idea. Valiant has a bunch of has a bunch of movie deals and has been trying for years and years. And but, anyways, but I I think the the things that you're talking about are are going to be very different because they won't be superhero adaptations. Yeah. You know, Sex Criminals has been in the work for a while.
0: It's almost like, are there any other singular heroes left in the independent sphere that have not been Superhero-wise. superhero Okay. Like, because when we're talking about, you know... Is there another spawn out there? Is right. there another like? And we know that there are more singular heroes in the Marvel universe. Like we, they just announced a She-Hulk show, Miss Marvel. Like, yeah, there are singular heroes still out there. But are there singular heroes out there that are not Disney properties that could be make their way into um,
2: our you know brains?
1: I mean, I think at some point, someone's going to adapt Robert Kirkman's Invincible. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean,
2: that also, it's such a great example of somebody owning one universe, being able to do whatever they want, and ending it when they're done with it. Yeah. Um, which just doesn't happen.
0: It does feel like a lot of properties that are being picked up are not superhero-focused, right? Yeah. Like, Or if they are, they're very, like, they're, they're the weirder side of things. They're, I mean, The Boys is a full, you know, uh, yeah. takedown of the properties that are... Um, of the genre And uh, it definitely Preacher fully- as well Sorry Just, yeah, no, just mentioning also, Because
1: uh, Garth Ennis Created them both And he's very ripe For a TV adaptation I feel like
2: Yeah Well Preacher At the same time too I mean I find it interesting How far that strayed Almost from the beginning From yeah. the comics At the same time too That's why where
0: I, That's why I stopped watching it
2: <laughs> I keep with it But yeah There's no real reason to um,
0: Yeah it's just really interesting I wonder if it's You know We have moved we've, we we had the 90s Where it was like Experimentation Figuring out what to do and then we had the early millennium with Spider Man and X Men, um, and then turned into the Marvel golden age that we are like sitting upon now. But it almost feels like anything beyond that. Like, there are only so many fucking movies that Disney and Marvel can make, right? Like, yeah. And it's gonna be interesting to see what's gonna happen next, you know, post Iron Man. Like, yeah. will they ever reboot that with a new person playing him? Who the fuck knows? Mm-hmm. Now with Spider Man bullshit blowing up in their face. Like- My
1: big litmus test at the moment is Eternals. Because mm. Eternals is a comic book property that is largely unknown, and I know everybody keeps being like, "Well, Guardians of the Galaxy was unknown. This is different." This is different. I love this Jack Kirby, yeah. and I've never read it, and don't want to. I, abso- I love Jack Kirby absolutely, <laughs> and I th- and I think I mean that's one 100- hundred. I the only Eternals book uh, story arc I ever read was Neil Gaiman's run, which once again I was not a Jack Kirby run. He yeah. was not doing the Jack Kirby thing, but I think. I think that's like going to be a hard property as much as everybody's so fucking excited for it, supposedly, because D23 was this weekend yeah. and everybody keeps talking about it. I think it's going to be a hard sell of a property. And you know what? If it makes a billion dollars like everything else does, then basically Marvel can do no wrong.
2: Right. I'm also very curious to see, you know, when you think about the Ultimate Universe and how that came about, how they yeah. wanted to create something without the continuity of the past 30 years. The moment you publish your second fucking issue, you have continuity. Absolutely. The problem. So I'm wondering when that principle happens with MCU, what they're going to do there. When they realize we have 10, 20 years of continuity backed up, what do we do to reboot? That's that, going to be another litmus test I think too. And that's how
1: you end up with Sarah in your second movie. There you go. It feels
0: like now that more Hollywood people are like, okay, if we can make superheroes work on film, like, what other weird shit can we find in graphic novels and comic books to make that happen? Yeah. It feels like Saga should be, like, the longest-running thing I've seen on sci-fi ever. Like, I feel yeah. like that's yeah. such a natural place But maybe to that's
1: because there's, like, year-long breaks and everything. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And we're
2: at the exact midpoint right now, yeah. if I recall properly. Yeah. yeah. We're at the midway point of the, sh- of the series? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, So 54 is the midway point of the series. yeah. That look of terror in your face. <laughs>
0: yeah. I it will be 85 years old. That's what I feel
1: <laughs> in my soul when I think about Saga. I think within the next five to ten years, it's going to be a really interesting place in terms of of comic books. We're song. going back to the nineties. Literally, yeah, like I, more I, weird experimentation. I do, and I do, and I do think that. I mean, I think you already start to see that a little bit when you have Sony making Venom, which is a yeah. spinoff of a movie. But not a spinoff. Yeah. So I think you're facing a little bit of that because well, Venom, all... to me, the most felt like those '90s, oh, yeah. um, '90s superhero movies, which is I, I don't even want to say for better.
0: I
2: mean for worse.
0: Yeah. It it again, better.
2: it felt like it was embarrassed to be part of a comic universe. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um. But also on the flip of it, we saw them experiment with Into the Spider Verse, which right. was amazing. Yeah. Right. Um. And uh. Yeah. It'd be really interesting to see. Uh how, I mean, how many fucking celebrity A-list blockbuster motherfuckers can Disney find like Vangelina J- Jolie and Selma Hayek are in our like fucking, yeah. you know, our ninth
1: like, tier superhero <laughs> team movie.
0: Like what the fuck? There yeah. is going to be, uh, I mean, there has to be, there's going to have to be a place where this kind of a, like all blows up and it's like, you know, yeah. There does. And I, I
1: keep, I keep waiting for it. It's, it's like that moment where you know somebody has pulled the pin on the grenade and you're just waiting for it to go off. And I do keep worrying about that part of me because obviously, as I've said many times, I love comic books. I grew up on comic books. I don't want to see it go down in a bad way but part of me is also like I don't know I don't I don't need another Ant-Man sequel. Yeah. <laughs>
2: like, it's kind of like when I mean with the Arrowverse type stuff when they right. introduced Legends of Tomorrow I've heard great stuff about that but I was like I have to watch 3 fucking hours of this every yeah, week every to week, understand yeah. what's going on. You know, that's five when I dropped out. Now, so that's oh, <laughs>
0: man. Yeah, it's a yeah. uh, and it's hard because we love these characters. We yeah. love these characters not through rather but I was reading about how, you know, the, the bust of the 90s and Marvel and how, like, that could never happen again just because Disney is so omniscient. Yeah. And, like, they – even if there was a – even if Disney lost a $100 billion right. this year, they'd be fucking fine. Right. Yeah. And it would just keep on trucking, yeah. you know? Like, they'd be like, okay, well, we wrote that one off and we're going to try it again with fucking uh, – who do we have? Um, Star-Lord's cousin? Yeah. Like, whatever it exactly. is. Exactly.
1: All that's to say, uh, buy Aladdin on Blu ray and DVD Mm. now. Yes. I think we're in a very interesting, weird, we're on like the precipice of a possible burst and a, and a, and a loop back into the 90s yeah. uh, when it comes to comic book films so it's an it's an interesting place to be but John, thank you so much for, for coming on the show, yeah, thanks I'm, for having me I'm so glad you pitched this idea Like I, I think, I think yeah. this has led to a lot of interesting conversation and I'm glad I'm like, to trek out to Brooklyn today I yes, I know, because you live yeah. in Queens and I, I live in Jersey out. City now, Oh, so do I have you to have that cross a river to get right? here oh yeah. shit, I'm so sorry it's I was wondering when you texted me at 1.30 and were like I'm heading to Brooklyn,
2: I was like, <laughs> wow I have okay. to pad that out a little bit
0: uh, well, thank you, thank, thank you, of course. Yeah. Um, I feel like all this anxiety now about the future of <laughs> and, like, movies. Look what you've done! <laughs>
2: like, that's what I brought into your home. You've yeah.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: But no, thank you, thank you guys for listening. Um, Where can you find us online? Well, that's a good question. So many places. Yeah, you can tweet at us at at The Mixed Reviews on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Just type in The Mixed Reviews. You can email us at reviewsmixed at gmail.com. And guess
0: what, guys? You can now find us on Instagram. Yes, you can.
1: Oh, my God. I started an Instagram account. We're yeah. at the underscore mixed underscore reviews.
0: Yeah, we, we post all sorts of uh, little fun content.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to come up with ideas. If anybody <laughs> wants to pitch me on some ideas, I'm ready to post. I will post all day long. What if it was just, like, selfies of us? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I'm not above it. <laughs> yeah. uh, but... Uh, <laughs> If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please feel free to rate and review us. Give us a five-star review and uh, write, us, write us a little love note. Uh, yeah. We love that. Uh, but, I mean, that's not the only place you can find us. You can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Google Play Music. We're basically
0: everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Comment oh. on our Instagrams. Also, I'll say my mom now listens to the podcast.
1: <gasps> Does she? I nice. taught
0: her how to download Spotify because she said she couldn't find podcasts on her phone. Uh-huh. I was like, Okay. <laughs> Uh, we literally were Skyping, and like I was having to be like, okay, mom, yeah, click on the thing. <laughs> She's like, well, if you can do that
1: for all our listeners, yeah. by the If way, anyone
0: needs any help yeah. finding us, I got you. Yeah,
1: DM us on the uh, Instagram. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you, John.
2: Yep. Thank you for having me. And we'll see you again in two weeks. Bye. She just a girl. She's just a girl. The guy you want.